passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And we are live, everybody. Welcome to our TLC Post Show. I am John Pollock, along with Wei Ting, but we have pulled up a third chair for the TLC Post Show. Mike Murray occupying that, providing some TLC to this Post Show. I'm, I'm the C to the T and the L? You are, yes. We have, Ooh, uh, I like it. I like that. Ting, and <laughs> I don't know if I'm representing uh, L here. I'm, uh, I'm lower on my seat. That's what I feel like there right you, now next, next to you guys. Yeah. Uh, we've got a, a packed show coming up. It was a busy, busy weekend in professional wrestling and mixed martial arts. We're going to be diving into the TLC show that went down earlier tonight from Minneapolis, Minnesota. And afterwards, we will be taking your phone calls. A once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, the chance to talk to Mike Murray. The world is awaiting. Lining up. I they, can see. Everybody is dialing up. 732-800-4423. Not taking calls now, so don't call, but we will be taking them after we are done uh, extensively reviewing tonight's offering from the WWE. You can also Skype in. Just search for Post Wrestling. And I don't think we should waste any time because we also want to uh, share some thoughts. I know, Mike, you got to see the NWA pay-per-view on Saturday night and ROH that also went down on Friday night. So we will get into that and welcome everybody's feedback. But uh, tonight was an interesting show from the company. Uh, going in with not a loaded show by any stretch. This felt like a... Well, we are obligated to do our yearly TLC pay-per-view in the month of December, and this is what we are going to put forward. No uh, world title matches. Uh, We had a world champion represented on this show, kind of, uh, one of his alter egos, and interesting match layout as well. So going into the pre-show, earlier in the day, they announced the addition of Umberto Carrillo and Andrade, a rematch from Raw this past week that got over very well on Monday night, so they were going to try and redo that. The panel consisted of Jonathan Coachman, Booker T, Charlie Caruso, and David Otunga. And early on, they interviewed Bobby Lashley and Lana. And Lashley said that one of the reasons that he is now with Lana is that all this time in WWE, he never had any allies. Take that, Leo Rush. And (laughs) Lana said they are the victims. And then this just turned into everyone talking over one another. Lana tore down Charlie for being a wannabe Renee who does her job worse than Renee after Renee was promoted to backstage and your questions are stupid. I think if like Lana's goal is to make people hate her, like it's something that clearly comes very naturally for her where I think they just allow her to like make sure that she nobody gets one over her. And so in order to, I guess, stand up for herself, she just swarms usually by talking over other people. And we've seen this with Kevin Owens. We saw it here with Charlie, and if the goal in the end is to make people dislike Lana, I guess that is a successful successful tactic. Uh, maybe this is going to be a, lo- a long-term program that bears itself out. Maybe they're going to build towards a match, yes. <laughs> and 
Then Charlie reveals that she is Danny Russo, of course. She is Lana's sister. Oh, and it's a it's a Caruso swerve. Great. (laughs) That's my only one tonight. Then, in the aftermath of this interview, the panel is left to dissect this Rusev, Lana, Lashley issue. And David Otunga notes, I am an expert on this type of situation. Oh, yeah. It's like, wow. That's uh, certainly calling out his, uh, I guess, own, own experiences. Uh, and then they moved on from that. The revival interrupted, and they just cut down Booker T in this promo, saying Stevie Ray was his better half. That this is actually a really good promo, especially from Scott Dawson. And Booker T is just seething, and he waits for the revival to leave. And he says, "Sometimes you go down to their level in order to bring them up to yours." And I wasn't about to do that here in my role. I could have kicked their ass, and it would have been all over the internet. But Booker T didn't do that, so he showed restraint here. You think this was building to anything, or was it just? I'm just problem. looking at WrestleMania. We have Lana, <laughs> Charlie Caruso, Booker T, it's, and Stevie Ray think, versus The Revival. I think it's the next Survivor Series. It's the next invasion. It's the announcers taking on the wrestlers. That That is it. Broadcast <laughs> supremacy. Andrade Umberto Carrillo uh, was our lone match on the kickoff show. Did not mind that we only had one match here. Uh, Andrade flew into the corner, missed with a knee, and came up at one point and was busted up around his left eye. And this began a night where, man, there were some uh, painful-looking injuries on this show. And Mm -hmm. Andrade being the first, uh, Carrillo got hung from the ropes. Just, I guess they had like some sort of uh, substance or like a super glue on the second rope because Kirill couldn't let go and he had to take a double foot stomp. It was unfortunate, but he was stuck there. Uh, Andrade then missed with a spinning elbow. He came up and he had all these marks over his chest. Andrade looked like this guy had just been through a ladder match. Mm -hmm. This was the most vicious kickoff I can recall. Uh, Andrade hit the double knees. Uh, Vega got onto the apron. Both men avoided running into her. And then it culminated with Carrillo hitting a super uh, reverse Hurricane Rana from the top. And then this uh, gorgeous looking top rope moonsault for the win in 12 minutes, 34 seconds. I thought really good start to the show. Mm -hmm. By the end, I can say one of the best matches on the show. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Easily. I mean, I I think these two are so talented. You know, even if the rest of the show went pretty flawlessly i think this still would have had a really good chance of being up there because uh they had a great match on raw i thought this was as good as it and i thought carrillo ended up coming out out of it coming out of it looking tremendous beautiful moon subtle at the end right there and they're putting him over strong yeah it was a fun match it was tight unlike some of the other ones that come around later on but we're, we're gonna get there but at least uh at six forty five p.m eastern time i was fine things were looking show. up things are looking good on this show uh Alistair Black cut a promo on Mr. Murphy and said how they could end up doing this over and over again. But tonight he is just going to end it with one swift black mass as Mr. Murphy fades to black. Kind of calling a shot here. This was kind of the match layout. The pay-per-view began with the New Day and the Revival. Oh, they, by the way, in the uh, Andrade match, uh, he and Zelina basically teased. They the did the same up. as Monday where, yeah. yeah, the two are arguing and Zelina is getting frustrated with Andrade uh, losing. And I think Jerry Lawler brought up that this could turn into a Rusev-Lana situation. Of course. I don't know who becomes Bobby Lashley. Maybe Umberto. Mm-hmm. Or somebody else. Alistair Black. No, no one would believe that. <laughs> 
Ladder match kicked things off. This was a this was a ladder match because they needed a ladder match, and we got the announcement on Friday that this yep. is going to be a ladder match. And you know, you, when you watch these, like th- this was a match where these four guys they all work really hard, and you go back to people like Edge, who has brought up the the years off his career that he thinks those ladder matches took from him. And I can't help but think of that when I watch this. That as good as this was, am I going to think of this ladder match? Ever after this, will this be an important ladder match in history? Absolutely not. And I think you kind of watch these ladder matches with that in mind. How many do you actually think about, though? Well, I think that tells you like where the concept is at this point. It's a pretty high bar to stand out and be memorable. And it's just it's guys taking a lot of damage to to try to, to try to have that memorable match. To try, and I think it's just the bar is very high. And I don't mm. uh, like. I really enjoyed. This match for what it was, but I don't think we're going to think about this match again but after tonight. In arguments like Edge's ladder matches, I think earlier on in his career is what made him. It is right. There, there was him a time the period these stood out, and now yeah. we, have, we have a pay per view named after this, where it's this is just the requisite ladder match. And they announced the show. two days before the show that it was going to be a ladder match. Right? Like this wasn't even the prime match that was nope. supposed to feature ladders. Um, but but a lot of great stuff in here. Biggie missed a splash off the edge of the apron, landing on the ladder. Kingston followed with a trust fall that got caught, and then he got driven into the ladder. And then they worked over Biggie's balls. They drove the ladder into his groin. Then they double drop kicked it. And I think Biggie and Bully Ray, uh, who <laughs> sold their balls better this weekend, Mike? Uh, I'm gonna go with Bully Ray this okay. weekend. Yeah, yeah. I I thought Biggie's was more believable. I mean, cheese grater though. I don't know how believable you how I can't imagine how you would sell a cheese grater legit. So maybe he was being very realistic with that on Friday night. Kingston mounted a comeback. Crowd really was into Kofi. Um, mm-hmm. As we would see later in this show, this was an audience that it was that they were very picky with what they got into, and I think got beaten down from this show. But Kofi was someone they really got behind throughout this match. Uh, he ended up getting stopped on the on the ladder and they hit him with a shatter machine. Biggie fought back, speared Wilder off the apron to the floor. Dawson then hit Biggie with a superplex onto a ladder and Biggie didn't, he fell off of the ladder. So they had to put him back on. So Wilder could deliver a splash. Then we fast forward all four fighting on the ladders. Biggie took Wilder off with a big ending. Kingston swung the titles into Dawson's head and he plunges down through a ladder to his demise, oh. and Kofi grabs the tag titles. 19 minutes and three seconds, and I would say, I think this ended up being the match of the show. Yeah, you're probably right. For me, back, for, for me yeah. it was. I thought this ended up uh, beating out the kickoff match. Those are my top two matches on this show. and we It's got, not a good sign. They were one-two. On <laughs> it's the, one of those things where like I had to really look back and think, is John right? Because like that... It, it, it's it's a little crazy to think about, like, the level of risk we would go on to see the rest of this show and still have, you know, I guess, not met, met any other contenders for, like, match of the night. No, just um, a variety of reasons that affected the matches after this. But I, I don't think anything really touched these yeah, first two, you honestly. You're probably right. I thought this match was insane. You know, they both took a great deal of risk, I thought. Um, it almost got to the point, and this would go on for the rest of the show, where I kind of got uncomfortable, like... I'd get way more uncomfortable later on, but like even in this match early on, I got kind of uncomfortable. There's take, a lot of dangerous stuff. Seeing in this. some of the the risk involved here of just guys like the the worst part is that as as you kind of mentioned, like the fact that these matches are happening for no reason other than the TLC match, it 
it, it's no like crescendo in in the within a storyline. Story no, you know, it's just like people You're not take, selling tickets. People taking risks because precedent has been set in the yeah. past for you to expect a level of risk for for this. And I just, I, 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 I think it's just a waste, honestly, of like these major bumps. But um, otherwise, it, if you're just watching in a vacuum, yes, it was a really entertaining match. I thought Kofi looked a lot like the Kofi of old who kind of made his name doing like, you know, really impressive, agile high spots that we kind of saw a return to that. Biggie and Revival were also really great as well. It, you know, but I, another problem I think I had, though, with this and much like the other one was that these ladder matches really feel like they're stunt shows rather than people going to try to, pick, you know, Grab the belts. To get the belts, yeah. Like, there are plenty of opportunities where I felt like it made a lot more sense for people to go grab belts instead of setting up some contraption in the corner. Uh, and that was something that I think plagued both ladder matches. Anything else, Mike? No, I, I mean, you guys both covered it. Both the, the unnecessary bumps and what does it mean for these careers and, and what does it mean for the company to be doing this in, in this match. But also, it was entertaining in a vacuum. But there's no storyline leading up to this. There's no reason for these belts to be put on a ladder. We also would see that with two TLC matches, with the ladder match here, that they also kind of had to break up a lot of the, like, the stunts and stuff yeah. as well. And, like, weapons that would be utilized that when you have multiple matches of this, you kind of have to spread things around as well. But uh, that said, uh, for this match, it it delivered on what was advertised going in here. Um, Caleb Braxton interviewed King Corbin backstage, and we go to Buddy Murphy and Aleister Black, a... A pretty important platform for these two to be on that it was, you know, how would the audience take to them? And the work was really solid in this, but the audience was checked out. And I think that was a, a big negative on the match. Um, Murphy blasts him with this knee and Black comes back with a series of kicks. Murphy then caught him on the apron, drove Black into the steps. Uh, Black comes up, he's bleeding from the nose. And the story of the match is that he took a took a knee to the jaw and it was almost as though they were doing the Colby Covington story that he was fighting with a broken jaw, um, even though he's bleeding from his nose. So, I mean, visually, you're watching something different than what the announcers are telling you is well, the injury. Do you know anything of whether or not this, uh, I guess, the jaw portion might have been legit? I don't think so, because it was just... Samojo was really adamant about it. And, of course, like um, um, uh, Alistair was selling, was holding the jaw yeah. per- periodically, but... Um, and then they eventually turned to started talking about the nose with the blood, and it was uh, I think it was more like Lawler that was talking about the nose was very nose. obvious, but like Joe kept like hitting on the fact that that his jaw was broken. In fact, like being adamant that oh I could see it up close, I can confirm that his jaw is broken. It's much harder harder to tell, but you know I, I I still wonder if that would be something they would work or if could if it could be legit. Yeah, it, it's possible. Um, We'll try and find out, but it was, yeah, certainly that that was kind of the story they were going with on commentary, and Black was also, you know, uh, tending to it as yeah. well. Uh, they continued on here. Uh, we saw Black go for his uh, Dragon Sleeper variation, and then Murphy responds and hits a series of Cheeky Nando's kicks, and then a running sit-out powerbomb for a two-count. Black blocked the Kamagoye, that does not have a name for Buddy Murphy's version, so Murphy fought off, hit the move, and then Black kicks out from it. Um, again, strong work here, but the crowd was just, it was a real struggle here. Murphy continues with kicks, and then Black sidesteps him, and out of nowhere, hits the Black Mass for the win in 13 minutes and 40 seconds, and sort of going with that 
uh, attention to the black mass that he can hit it at any point and it's over once he hits it. But I thought as a match, these two really clicked together. But I mean, you can't override the fact that the audience was really checked out of this. Yeah, I guess I was less distracted by by the calm crowd because I was really into the match. I thought it was an incredible match. You know, these two had tremendous chemistry as far as uh, their styles go, like really fast, hard hitting, great looking strikes that, you know, similar haircuts too that matched up absolutely perfect. <laughs> That's with the, the uh, part of the tail of the tape they don't get to all, all the time. I definitely agreed that I, I found myself a little bit checked out at the beginning. But like once I saw the blood come out of Alistair, like I... And this was kind of much the case for many of the matches tonight. Once I saw blood, like, I, I just found myself drawn it in. hooks you in, right? How did the blood occur? Like, you know, is this guy actually okay? And the rest of the match, despite whatever injury Alistair Black might have been dealing with, was, I thought, executed pretty flawlessly. It was, uh, you were right about everything. Like, fast, hard, uh, strong. You know, these two did, did really get a chance to shine. And it's not something, you know, they've, they've had in the last year. Where do you see them going with Aleister Black as they get into Rumble season, Mania? Like, do you see him having a, a prime spot on Raw? Because he's he has certainly been protected. And whether you can say these... Uh, protected or forgotten. Well, it's it, there's definitely an argument for both. And I yeah. think there's been examples of, of both. But, uh, you know, they've given this guy promo time. Whether that's helped them or not, that can certainly be a debatable point. But he is someone that you, you can see he is not someone that they are just looking at as just some throwaway guy. I, I see them seeing an important role for him. I mean, there has been a little bit of goofiness to this whole knock on the door and I don't think it's completely worked, um, but it hasn't been disastrous where he's, you can't redeem him. You can't pull him out and you can't make something of him. I think, you know, if you told me this guy was going to win the rumble, I wouldn't be surprised. I think it's an open yeah. door right now. Excuse the puns, so to speak. <laughs> well, you know, they, they desperately need to make stars at the moment. Yes. And Aleister Black is kind of presented as goofy as some of the promos are. Like once it's bell time, it's like this guy's like the Terminator. And when there. you mm-hmm. when you look back at when he was in NXT, I mean, my kids watching, they're like, this guy's like the Undertaker. Right. And we're talking, you know, an eight and a four year old at the time. Right. But like there's something about his look. There's something about his entrance and that sort of mystique that he carries with him. But he can back it up in the ring, right? When it comes time for uh, for the action and the you know the athletic abilities. There was also yet another announcer angle shot here because we had Jerry Lawler note that Alistair Black has his family tattooed uh. on his body and said that's his, on his back. He's got a photo of his mother. I mean, that's those are like Lawlerisms that you would have definitely expected at any point in his career. Um, it was also met with how, silence. Because like nobody said We're not touching it. It was are just. You, I think we should just be happy that the magistrator is still not around. Where he like you would use the pen to like draw over top of like a still photo <laughs> of like a replay. He'd probably get in trouble for um, that. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I definitely see Alistair having a, a, a decent role at Mania. Like of all the raw debuts, I feel like they are. They've been holding him back yeah. a lot in order to have a prime spot for him to be focused on. Unfortunately, those delays have just come and come and come for whatever reason. So hopefully, Mania season coming up, they have something solid for him in that. You know, I ser- I firmly see him at like uh, a U.S. title level. Yeah, I-, I would say on the Raw side, to me, it's like Kevin Owens. It's like they've gone with him. They pulled back. We've seen them go. Black is like a a, fr- a fresh person that mm-hmm. you can go with as a babyface or a heel at this point. Really, I would say for the Rumble, 
I, I could totally see him being like a Final Four guy. Sure. It really yep. cementing Cement him. him. Yeah, for sure. And We're getting a giant, the giant spot, you know, eliminating a bunch of people. Yeah, and we'll see, you know, how far they go with him. I hope he doesn't get lost in the shuffle in Mania season, that he does have a really prominent position for mm-hmm. Mania because he has that potential, I feel. Then we uh, <laughs> move on to Charlie, who interviewed Rusev, and he said that after divorcing Lana, before they had children, it now means he doesn't have to pay alimony. And this got a pop from the crowd in Minneapolis. We're like, yeah, alimony sucks. He said he is back, he is single, but he is not alone because every day is Rusev Day. Mm-hmm. Go back to that. Yeah. I feel like a, the audience is like really gravitating towards Rusev as sort of this like everyday guy, you know, like this everyday, like mid 30s or however old he is. A- a average male who like has to deal with things like divorce and doesn't want to have to pay alimony or anything else. He wears like everyday t-shirts. I really like right? the t-shirts he's been rocking during this. He this looks like a typical span, American. Yeah. Like he is like an Americanized or like, <laughs> like a tourist. Like somebody's come here, tourist, like sure. North Americans, like bought all the tourist shirts. Right? Yeah. You know, what's also um, less pronounced is just watching that SummerSlam card that we've got to review this week from 2015. How much weight this guy's lost? Yeah, he's really oh, slimmed yeah. down. Eh? He was yeah. like he was the tank at yeah. WrestleMania 2015 compared mm-hmm. to now. He is so much slimmer um, than like the guy was just so thick uh, yeah. before, and now just like he's really slimmed down, and it's been like it's noticeable if you've been watching. But once you see like before and after, it's it's a pretty significant size decrease. Our next match, the star of this match was Kentucky Fried Chicken. The sponsor. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm bringing this up because people might not have noticed. It was, it was very hidden the yeah. way that they uh, tried, tried yeah. to promote this. I mean, they very subtly subtle. put a table <laughs> on the floor with these four, fans. These four actors fans. out of central casting. No, no. They as, were in the audience. They were fans. Come uh, on. Yeah. They won all, a contest. Yes. Chicken contest. If they actually pick some random fans, like I definitely feel obviously you're 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 being facetious there, but um like imagine if they picked actual random fans from the crowd. It like, would be insane. Can you imagine like just four people showed up and like okay, just behave yourself but just and, like and watch your chicken. But, but I mean like you would hundred percent pick a vegetarian by mistake. <laughs> right. And it yeah. would come out on Twitter the but next day. But it would be that, but like I think I feel like a lot of effort goes into making sure that you don't pick somebody who <laughs> looks like they might only eat KFC if you know what I mean. You don't want to pick a bad stereotypically looking junk food eating type of fan. Like I, I say at that a wrestling with, show? With, that's what I mean. Right. Like, like, I think we're at a wrestling show, I think the chances of that are higher than ever. And I love KFC. But like I I mean what I'm trying to say is I I thought it was very strategic the people that they actually chose to sit at. I would segment. say everything about this segment was strategic. Let's go right? hold on that, a second. That was the word gonna, of the segment. I gotta like turn the corner here. Popeyes or KFC? Popeyes. That's my guy. Oh my god! No. What What did it no say on fight. the on the side of the chicken? They had like a a slogan. Uh, Fuck salad from <laughs> from before there was a time from before the time there was salad was yes. on the side of the bucket. Yeah, really? yeah. yes, that was the slogan. Yeah, they it was got on a the slogan where it's like bucket. taking a knock. At all <laughs> I like you salad eating. Kind of, I kind of like fuck salad though. <laughs> Better. I was telling uh, John while this was going on that oh, um, about 15 years ago, maybe 20 years ago, my wife and I went on a road trip down to uh, Florida and we went to the Colonel Sanders Museum. No way. Yep. Yep. Why in Florida? I guess he's on the way Florida? down. On the way down. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Was in we Kentucky. Driving. In Kentucky. Yeah. Mm. yeah. 
Uh, he showed me photos. It's, I showed it. I it's think much we looked closer it to a pit stop than it is a museum. <laughs> it's true. It's not like a you know Marvel museum, but uh, if you're if you're on the road on the 94 going down to Florida, it's a nice stop for okay. half an hour, an hour. Yeah. Two times I've gotten food poisoning from KFC. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Wow. So anyway, that that could have been on the side of the bucket of chicken. <laughs> So as these fans are fans in quotations are eating their chicken and potatoes with gravy, the Viking Raiders come out and they're wearing purple. So the the Minnesota Vikings tie in that gets them immediately over as baby faces to this crowd. Anderson and Gallows come in to answer the open challenge, cutting a promo. They insulted Minnesota, showed off their tag team trophy that they won at Crown Jewel and brought up that the Viking Raiders only loss was to them at that show in Saudi Arabia. So there was a perfectly natural reason to have this match. I was just kind of surprised that they made this an open challenge as opposed to you had your story in place. This was actually a perfectly logical reason for a title match as opposed to just people, you know, guessing who could the opponents be when it was a very predictable opponents and justifiable. Are you saying you were a little disappointed when the OC came out? I don't think anyone was like throwing their fist in the air, popping champagne, bottles that yes Gallows and anderson <laughs> dude at tlc aj was they Maybe. alluded to it on on raw like it felt like you know this was already in the works back then um the only thing i could think of was that perhaps because the finish ended up the way it was maybe they didn't want to set people's expectations too high like they were going to get a full gallows and anderson versus the oc match and uh that they were going to rob them of that of that anyway. everyone thought man rock and roll Rock and roll. So Viking Raiders, uh, first off, Gallows and Anderson got the advantage on Eric for a while, made the tag to Ivar, who got shoved from the top by Gallows. Ivar then went for a handspring back elbow, uh, didn't quite fully connect with the other two. They hit the Viking experience on Anderson, but Gallows broke up the cover. Eric then gets tossed into the WWE universe, which means he's gone forever. Ivar hit a suicide dive onto both Gallows and Anderson as the count reached 10, and all four are counted out at 829. And then the big spot is they continue to fight on the floor, and Carl Anderson goes through the KFC table. I was so disappointed that, like, the moment they started brawling outside with the KFC in the background, I was like, somebody's going through that KFC. So when they actually did the spot at the end, like... I thought the fans were getting into it. They were chanting KFC. And then, like, Eric, like, swipes the KFC off the table before doing the spot. Like, He's a Popeye's guy. <laughs> and that that really disappointed me. I wanted to see somebody go through uh, the, He's sev- straight edge, right? the seven herbs, secret herbs and spices, the, the <laughs> gravy. KFC cross the line? <laughs> it's not exactly healthy <laughs> material you're putting in your body, right? Like, like uh, Novins, a- Colonel Sanders? No, I'll, I'll take a beer. <laughs> <laughs> the match itself was was very forgettable. Like not not a match. I a really raw match complete with a inset commercial. So oh that, yeah, that's what we got. Kayla interviewed the Miz to confirm that Monroe Sky was fine and she was safe. His family has been moved to a secure location tonight. Uh, he said that Bray Wyatt violated the sanctity of his home, and tonight Bray Wyatt is not fighting the Miz or a WWE superstar even though I'm still going to do my trademark goddamn entrance, he is fighting a husband and a father protecting his family. Because I'm awesome. 
No. He didn't add the end, but he might as well when he did that entrance later. We'll get to that. Uh, you know, I've been a fan actually of The Miz like throughout the storyline, but this was definitely like a sampling of like overacting that was really comical. When Booker T was just on the pre-show and <laughs> I will venture to guess was just simply going here to describe The Miz uh, in this uh in this frantic state and this guy standing up for his family, he said He's like a badass Ryan Seacrest. And there's nothing that is going to put fear through your body if you're Bray Wyatt than a badass Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> Seeing Ryan Seacrest in like a dark alley, imagine that. Yeah. Uh, there's some there's some clangers tonight in, the, in some of the commentary. Dude, Samoa Joe uh, like has Pollock syndrome with some of his one-liners that he had tonight. Like he had some some zingers on commentary tonight. Roman Reigns, King Corbin, TLC match. So I was surprised uh, because, you know, we were discussing this, Mike, and both of us assumed this would be going on last. And the second we saw this, we both assumed this probably means Corbin's going over in this. <laughs> um, and we would be correct in that sense. So Corbin takes control. This was a long match. He attacked with chair shots. And chairs were kind of the extent of this, other than an announced desk spot where... Um, Corbin got put through with a Samoan drop. Uh, Corbin just playing heel. To his credit, like, the crowd responded to, like, the heel antics of Corbin when he did, like, his shitty Roman oh, Reigns pose. Booed him out of the building they, sometimes. Like, he yeah. did get heat here. Uh, we go, and Reigns does, after putting him through the desk with the Samoan drop, he runs the entire perimeter of the ring, and then out of nowhere, Dolph Ziggler hits him with a super kick. I thought that was really well-timed. Like, you did not see this guy show up, and they I guess it came from under the ring? Under the ring is what they suggested, yeah. Yes. He was also wearing a glorious t-shirt, but then mm -hmm. promptly tore it off. So, I don't know if he was trying to put together a silent protest, or just quickly... <laughs> tore it off before anyone could notice what he was doing uh the revival then showed up they get hit with superman punches reigns then takes them all out with a tope including the security that's all working for corbin uh we learn that uh roman reigns has zero friends yeah that's what i took from this nobody comes to help him big leader in the locker room that guy big leader i, I suppose the, the the end spot like was to suggest that reigns does have friends in like Shorty Gable and, and all that, but they didn't explain where they were right now. No, later we were getting to the brawl and the New Day had a legitimate out. Like they were recovering from the ladder match, but I'm thinking Ali and Shorty G have been attached to the hip of Reigns. And mm -hmm. where, where were those guys in all of this? At one point in this match, I think I'm noting to Mike just how like everyone seems to be like really snug here with the weapons. And we've seen a lot. And like yep. mid sentence, we have a close up of rain's face and a chair that just smashes into his face. Nowhere, yeah. Like just <laughs> right as I'm talking to Mike about this and they replay it. And Mike just says, well, he kind of got his hand up. This thing <laughs> blasted him in the face. It looked so unpleasant. And his side of his face was already a mess too. Yeah. Man. He was already like busted up from this. And this was just like, a spot nobody remembered from this match, and it just looked like it. I mean, we sucked. watched it a couple times, rewinding it. But we know. did rewind and watched it because <laughs> it looked brutal. Uh, so the revival hit him with the shatter machine, and Corbin hits the end of days onto a chair and pins Reigns at 22 minutes and 11 seconds. So the feud continues. There was teases of dog food in this match. We had several cans, but no actual dog food used, which I still believe is how this feud has to end. They might drag it to WrestleMania. I think we'll get the dog collar match, maybe. I think kennel from hell is what I'm holding out for. I, I want. I don't think this the, can stretch to the rumble. I think this has to end on TV, and then both are in the rumble. That's my thought on this, but we'll see how this goes. But 
I'm still hoping that one of them becomes a dog for a show. <laughs> they got to like go for a walk and stuff like that. No. <laughs> God, how bad could it be? Be like the turkey suit in TNA. Yeah, like the dog suit. Very Loser nice, has yeah. to go to a furry convention. Uh, you know, I, I found myself like having a tough time getting to the first half of this match when, when it was Baron Corbin all in control. But I think once Roman really like started his comeback, I actually got into it. Crowd was really with him. I love the way that the way that they're just forming, like, you know, making him Superman, um, you know, literally by doing the punch and also by taking out like 20 guys at the same time. I think he looks like a real badass. And I feel like as a baby face, Roman is in a probably the best, most effective spot he's He's been in, and it feels like in forever. I think he's suffering right now from just not having enough heels to work with. I think Corbin is, he was he was a stopgap. And I think we're just, at this point, I don't need to see this feud continue anymore. I was actually thinking, I was expecting this match to be really good. Just Roman Reigns in a match based around weapons. That's, this guy shines in a lot of these situations. And it didn't quite reach that level for me. Um, I think the first half really dragged this down. And... You know, it's a, it's another loss for Reigns. I don't think it like harms him, but it is a feud that I think everyone's ready to wrap up. No, so. it, it took a lot to get Reigns down at the end of this match, right? You had the yeah. rival, you had Ziggler. Yeah. Getting back to your Superman thing, I mean, the one thing that bothered me with this, and John and I were talking about this before, on SmackDown when he was getting fed the dog food and he was chained up, I mean, that's your Superman pose there, right? After he's left there, I mean... Break out Breaking of that. the chains. Break out. That would have been too much. No, man. it was like a long chain, some uh, handcuffs. They've done, that. They've done that in wrestling, and it always just looks really oh, goofy. I think they're I mean, very. I think they are overly cautious right now with Roman Reigns that they are so afraid of doing anything that is too pro Roman now that yep. invites those boos back. I think they're so worried about that, and they'd rather have this. Not so much indifference, but it's certainly not the, the heated atmosphere that you used to get with Roman Reigns. I thought tonight prior. the crowd was pretty into Roman Reigns. Oh, yeah. In fact, one of the more pro-Roman They results. largely are. It's like yeah. you're not getting negative reactions. It's whether they're subdued right. for Roman. It's because he's outside of the title picture. You know, he's not even yeah. in the main event picture most weeks. And they are not having him win everything. They're having him getting beaten down by, I would say... You could say what you want about their matches, but I would say Corbin overall is an effective heel. He doesn't even have to do a whole lot in order to elicit the reactions that he gets. And no. Roman's kind of benefiting from that. Yeah. Would you venture to guess WrestleMania? Do you see it being The Fiend and Roman Reigns? Do you think that's the destination? No. Where, where do you see Roman Reigns ending up? Because it's going to be something big. Yeah, it is going to be something and big. probably maybe. the title picture. In, uh, on I can see them maybe bringing somebody back. You know, um, yeah. either a legend from the past you're kind Somebody of running out of legends. You, I know you are, but... Cena's hanging out. Cena's hanging out. Trips. Again, maybe. It's been a few years. Goldberg. Spear Let's, versus Spear? I'm just looking at options for yeah. Roman. Unless you yeah. flip the title to Brian, you could do Brian and Reigns, but then you're putting... That's the same predicament where fans are going to boo Reigns in that scenario, I feel, yeah. at this point, so... I'm really interested to see how they handle Roman, and I don't see them putting him over in the Rumble because I think with all that history with the Rumble, yeah. again, it's like you're inviting those boos, and I think they're paranoid of generating that reaction again where they're they're yeah. at a point now where Roman, the audience largely takes to him, and I think they, they enjoy this guy. He's not, uh, he doesn't come across like the overly produced Roman Reigns. He yeah. has a much higher likability factor, and I don't think they want to screw with that, and Sometimes I think they're being too cautious at times by the amount of losses that they've been giving them now. So from there, we go to Bray Wyatt and The Miz. 
So the Miz comes out. First of all, after the tone they have set for all of this, and you just hear the quiet on the set. May we please have quiet on the set? I'm like, I'm already out of this. Whatever they did, that entrance alone. <laughs> and then Mike is like, are they going to do, is he going to do the, the, the twist? And he walks out and he does the goddamn twist with his stupid <laughs> fucking glasses yeah, on. And the scarf and goofy all. hair. Oh. I was like, you know, headband, I, I, bullshit. I'm not no. even going to try. It's always been the problem with, I think, a character that kind of has its roots as a, as a heel. Now, did you feel, do you not feel the same way whenever Shawn Michaels had to do something serious? Coming out to Sexy Boy? Sure, I totally agree with you. But this is something that has, you know, allegedly crossed the line, right? This right. Is, this has been brought, we're bringing cameras into the Miz's house I, and his children are going to be on TV, was unnecessary, right? Yes. So if he came out just in his gear, ready yes. to go, tape fists maybe, you know, something different to set him off and present him differently, mm-hmm. totally different reaction to be like, holy shit, Miz is like, like sure no we get the t- oh i'm a, i'm a little hesitant with the twist and my but he's You're still threatening my family but i still have to look yeah i gotta look cool I, yeah right yeah it's just the problem with the miz character um that i think for one night they should have totally ditched that um in the end this really didn't matter so he's out and then bray comes out and it's Funhouse bray coming out holding the title um no red light no red light, no red light. different was, entrance music yeah, yeah. um I re- it felt really weird. Like this is your your champion. I understand what they're doing with, the, with this character, but nonetheless, he's out, and the match begins. Miz hits a skull crushing finale in the opening minutes, but doesn't go for the cover. And then he attacks Bray's arm. He's going for a Fujiwara armbar and tries to, to pretty much dislocate the shoulder. It's the penta spot. And Bray goes to the floor and drives himself into the barricade, trying to put the shoulder, pop it back into place. Mm-hmm. And he's laughing. Bray then catches Miz, drapes him on the top of the barricade, and hits a Sister Abigail. And the audience is checked out of this. Miz beats the count into the ring, only to be hit with another Sister Abigail, and he loses and lets his entire family down <laughs> in six minutes and 35 seconds. He couldn't even fight for 10 minutes for them. Couldn't even fight like the depowered version of The Fiend? So no. what did you think about this? Because this is, I thought this was a very comic book storybook telling in this match. Um, I thought, well, I was really just looking at the match as, as a whole it, yep. initially, and I thought it was a really flat finish. I was expecting more of the Fiend's gimmick to really come out, or at least something more interesting in the back and forth. Like, I wanted to see how the Fiend was going to appear outside with from okay. within Bray Wyatt. Instead, it was just like a, a match where, like, Miz seemed to take, like, 99% of it, and then Sister Abigail, and that was it. I... I- See, yeah, I thought it was pretty creative in some of the things that they did and that it was the telling thing. the story about I'm going to change why it's going to change the Miz. He's going to make him do things that he's never done before. He's going to push him to that spot. And he was like egging him on right to to keep going for more and like, you know, grinding, like pulling at his face and uh, the arm bar. Like you don't you don't see Miz doing stuff like to that extent. Mm-hmm. But also that different character and just the presentation of how Wyatt reacted to the crowd and the chance, it was like in character, like he was the the kids TV host. So although in the end, the match itself wasn't terribly exciting as a match, I thought a lot of things got covered in the character of Wyatt and this this facet of the Fiend versus Bray Wyatt. But I think it everything set up to what the second part of the story was, which really wasn't the match. It was what happens afterwards. Yeah. And I think w- without that, 
this is that much more flat because I, I think the Miz comes out of this. I, I don't think very good at all. No, like he just get and and I, th- I would say to your point, like hey, he ditched the entrance. This is a totally different Miz, and it's just he's so aggressive that he fucks up and he makes uh, m- mistakes. Yes, he's all emotion. I don't think they really conveyed that well. It, to me, it was just this guy ultimately fell to, to Bray Wyatt and was an afterthought afterwards. And what, like, now we're moving on to the program people are really into. What What is it, you know, uh, as a viewer, am I supposed to comprehend about the power differential between the two? It was Bray Wyatt holding back the whole time was... I totally saw it that way. You know, you've read The Dark Knight Returns. Yes. Right? And Joker keeps pushing Batman to get him to snap. Mm-hmm. And he won't. Right. But he's he's doing that. Wyatt is the Joker and trying to get the Miz to like kind of go over that line. Right. Mm -hmm. As far as he can. But in the end, Wyatt just takes him out. Okay, Without even breaking a sweat. Right. 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 This comparison in wrestling is a very poor man's Minoru Suzuki, (laughs) Jushin Thunder Liger, where he was trying to get Liger to be dishonorable. You're right. And wouldn't. But there's a lot more different things with this character, which people are into this character. Right. The difference there, though, is Suzuki, I think, narrates that in his backstage interview. So yes. the viewer knows exactly what to expect. Something like this, which I, I think you definitely can be right with your uh, interpretation of it, requires, I think, <laughs> a lot of specific interpretation from, you know, your previous You're right. reading comic I think books. So, yeah. Something that certainly the announcers didn't hint on at all. Nope. Yeah, I, I think you have to give a lot of benefit of the doubt here. To, like, Miz, to me, just... What a failure he comes across as here, and then we're just yeah. How do you go home like, to your wife and your family after? And like right? I don't, like, I don't even expect much follow up to this. He either. shouldn't show I mean, up on TV for like a month, at least so, two months. Um, I thought that part was. I thought the match was weak, and I didn't really get into it afterwards. The fiend appears on the screen. We just see his face, and Bray is in the ring saying, "I'll do it." And he grabs the giant mallet from under the <laughs> ring, and I am thinking, "My God, we." Might be seeing the salvaging of Seth Rollins for all my worst of picks this year because this segment is probably going to clinch it. But then the lights flicker. Bray yells, he's here. And we don't have Seth in a hoodie. It's Daniel Bryan in a hoodie. These hoodies are getting some a lot of business from WWE this week. And They're- Daniel Bryan takes out Bray with the running knee and then he takes off the hoodie to reveal his haircut. He has gone... 10 years into the past, he is now the virgin Daniel Bryan. And <laughs> the virgin dude, Daniel Bryan. Dude, he looks like Bryan off of NXT. Oh, yeah. And just looks so much younger. He's like 10 years younger. It's amazing. Um, yeah. Just has not like a shaved head like the American Dragon days, but, you know, like a short haircut. Yes. And he lays out Wyatt with kicks, another running knee, stomps him down, and then he grabs this mallet. And he's about to use this mallet. Thankfully, the lights went out, and we didn't have to see him use this goofy this, cardboard. This mallet. weapon is just the silliest thing in the <laughs> you world. You know, it's goofy, but the, when he actually slammed it down, it made a it's, huge it's a thud. <laughs> like it, 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 I have no doubt that it's actually a really heavy object. I actually thought he was going to hit Miz with it because you have to get this guy away now for a long time, and I thought they were right. going to kill him with the mallet for uh, temporarily. So the lights go out, and then when they come back on, Brian's holding the mallet, but Bray has disappeared. So I mean, they. The crowd got into this. They yes. Brian saved this segment because if you did not have this, I think this would have been one of the flattest segments of the year. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, I love the change of look in Daniel Bryan. It, 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 it I feel like it's the, the completion of his baby face turn. Um, and 
even like at the end here, I would say it still ended a little bit flat. And I don't know how much of that has to do with the crowd versus maybe how they what they saw beforehand versus maybe how the segment was scripted. But overall, I thought this was a positive the way they reintroduced him. And I think they'll easily stretch this out to the Rumble. This would seem yeah. to be the Rumble match for these two. You're gonna go for them for them for the title for the, at the Rumble? I would I would think so. Um, if it gonna... So so, what's your interpretation of like what what the fiend's motivation is here? Do you think that the fiend has been successful? I guess in I, I mean he's changed. Aside of I guess um, if his idea is to either take people out, which is like the X's on the eyes of the photos that have been behind him, or uh, enact changes in some of these characters. I mean, visually alone, Daniel Bryan is different, right? There is a so he has changed Daniel Bryan. Now, what what does he have left to gain in the match? Like what is sort of the what, is, what does Bray match? have to win? It's yeah. like he's going to go after he's going to go after Birdie now. <laughs> going to change her? <laughs> uh, hopefully not, and hopefully we just get this. I, I am I'm done with uh, the family young young children being used in wrestling angles. Yeah. I, think, I think we can move on from some of these. I think there's enough other stuff and there's enough other talent on this roster that we don't need to get into people's like preschool children. You know, like being used in this stuff. Although I loved it though when they did it with them. <laughs> I thought my nurse guy was excellent on Friday. There's a video for the tables match, which was uh, their spoof on TMZ with TLC as they recap this in you know tongue in cheek fashion to go over this. Mike, you, you thought this was, it was a much better storyline in two minutes than two it minutes was in three months. Three months, yeah, tighter. Bobby Lashley Rusev tables match, and I gotta say, for for all that they put into this, when this match began, this crowd did not care all that much. No, do you think it was just? The overall feud was it a tired crowd or was it just tables match people really didn't care or a bunch of reasons i feel like there's a certain excitement about like the talking segments because they get so ridiculous when you're in love with the match between these two it's just a match that you've probably seen before um you know hardly i don't know if the heat really translates to in match setting as as much as you know these are just kind of entertaining stupid soap opera storylines that you see on raw or smackdown Nothing says uh, avenging, you know, this humiliation, getting divorced, then I'm going to put you through a table. And Russo's not even upset. He's happy as shit about this whole thing, right? Yeah, he's doing fine. Yeah, Yeah, he's living his best life. He's good. Uh, They set up various tables. They did some teases. They fought on the apron. Uh, Lashley leaped over a table that was set up on the floor, and then Rusev attacked him with the steps. Also brought in a guardrail, and Lashley ended up smashing him through the guardrail. And then we got the kendo sticks, uh, which led to all these welts over Rusev's back. Rusev came back with his own kendo stick shots, and this is when Lana runs in, jumps onto Rusev's back, and sends her off as Lashley goes to spear him into the table in the corner. Table forgot his spot, blew it, and did not break. So Lashley, I thought rather smart on his part. Quick. Because nine times out of ten, the guy would just go for another spear and just call attention to it. Instead, just pulled Rusev, didn't even look that there was a table set up in the other corner, just knew there was, Mm -hmm. and suplexed him over. I thought as good a recovery as possible. Sometimes the table's not going to break, and he didn't, you know, make it absolutely painfully obvious that that was the finish. So did something different here. 13-30, but I I thought a pretty flat match. I was surprised at the lack of energy, uh, you know, like you said, uh, for for how much they put into this feud. And I think how how energetic the crowd gets during these talking segments. But the match, it it just did not carry across. But I thought some pretty fun spots throughout. Um, You know, we'll see where the story goes from here. 
yeah, I guess it's going to continue. And they, they were pushing now that Lashley is going to propose to Lana. So that, you know, you have to get a wedding segment out of this. I mean, that's just, <laughs> you can't go uh, too long without a wedding segment on, on TV. When was the last wedding we had on WWE? Oh boy. I, I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head when the last wedding was. Mm. Was it a while? Must've been. Yeah, I can't really. Like the Daniel Bryan, AJ one. That was years and years Chat ago. Chat room, let us know. Yes. Yeah, somebody out there to let us know, please. Last WWE wedding. Uh, the Street Profits were speaking backstage. Um, Montez asked Dawkins, they said, you know, they gave us these promos for months and months and months. Why do you think they beat us in three minutes on Monday? And Dawkins was like, dude, I don't know, but that SNL segment didn't do us any favors either. And Ford was like, <laughs> no, man, it was. It, it's been a bad week for us. So it was a wildly self-referential, self-aware promo. And then Roman Reigns and King Corbin uh, brawled backstage. And now we've got the New Day, the Revival. Buddy Murphy was in there. Uh, did you spot anyone else that was in this? It was just a bunch of guys. And they're just brawling all over the back. And we would revisit this later. So at least Roman has some friends. Or he bought some guys off. Mm-hmm. Main event, the Kabuki Warriors against Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. Second straight pay-per-view that the women are going on last. Tables, ladders, and chairs match for the tag titles. So unlike in the Corbin Reigns match, it was pinfall or submission. This one, you have something tangible hung above the ring. Becky and Charlotte took took turns tossing Kyrie Sane back and forth onto the announcer's desks. Uh, they go back into the ring. Oscar insane. They double teamed Flair with a chair, including a seated drop kick into the chair. Kyrie gets dragged underneath the ring, and, or hides underneath the ring, and then gets dragged from uh, underneath and comes out with a fire extinguisher, nailing both. And then Oscar brings out a bull rope and starts whipping the women with it, and then starts swinging the bull rope above her. This was a uh, cowgirl shit. Thank you. Flat. That chant did not uh, come out. The Kabuki Warriors then tied Becky to the ladder with the rope, and she proceeded to be tied to this thing for like five minutes. It might have been the goofiest thing. She was on a train track. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like it was like a silent cartoon. (laughs) It looked so ridiculous. And for the amount of time that she's stuck there, you know, it's Becky Lynch here. Like she's not even struggling, right? Like just chilling. Oh my god. They double-teamed Charlotte during this time, this period, including throwing her over the barricade, and they went at a snail's pace to climb the ladder so Flair could return with a kendo stick. On the floor, Becky is still tied to this ladder. It's like, you guys forget about me? And she got her foot up when Sane went for the insane elbow. Becky got free from the, from the rope and fights back. Becky then put Asuka through a table on the floor with a guillotine leg drop. Sane then came off the turnbuckle. This was the scary spot. Flair and Becky are both on a table together. Sane comes off the turnbuckle. I don't know what was the desired outcome. Charlotte gets out of the way. Becky doesn't. um, Sane just lands terribly. And I don't know if Becky was supposed to move. If Obviously, the table was supposed to break, and it Mm -hmm. didn't. And Kyrie was affected the rest of the match, it seemed, from this. And this is where the match totally fell apart. And if there was any doubt about that, uh, Charlotte Flair did not exactly have the poker face on because she was just swearing up a storm, uh, clearly frustrated. And it just seemed like everyone was on different pages for what seemed like an eternity from here until the end of the match. Um, Now, like, if Kyrie was actually injured, the rest of, like, everything she had to do was... Certainly made it more difficult to watch. It's a viable um, scenario that could have occurred here because 
um, Kyrie was she, she ends up taking this spear from Charlotte. That's just, you can see she is terrible. not there. It looked yeah. awful. And then this to me, like granted, you you have to give people the benefit of the doubt. This spot should have been just cut out. She is struggling to get Kyrie up. Kyrie is out of it. And then you, she takes a snap powerbomb through a table. That is powerbomb. Well, right? it's still like she gets driven down because Charlotte's overcompensating for the fact she can't get her up. And then just drives her through this. She's so close to a ladder as well upon landing. Yeah, here. Just missing it. But... So she's out of the match at this point. Thank God. Yeah. Um, so people are concerned about Kyrie. The crowd is so quiet here. Becky and Flair then attack the Kabuki Warriors with chairs, and now the crowd's booing Becky and Charlotte. This is just becoming a disaster. Asuka powerbombs Flair off the turnbuckle through a table on the floor, which did not look like a fun landing either, as Charlotte just grabbed the back of her head. Becky climbs the ladder, but the bull rope is attached to it, and Asuka yanks the rope, tipping Becky over, and Asuka is able to climb up and grab the tag titles at 25 minutes and 51 seconds, and they don't even get, like, your shot of the Kabuki Warriors celebrating nothing. They cut away. Oh, Kyrie was out of the ring. Kyrie was out of the ring, and they just got away from yeah. the ring entirely. There was a moment where you can clearly see, like, as Becky was attacking Kyrie with a chair, like, just pulling her close to just talk to her. Like, hey, duck, duck under this, and we'll just kind of and then sit down for the rest of it. I, it was really concerning. Like, I, I thought it was really pretty obvious the moment like she couldn't take that spear like that she was really fucked up very likely i would say maybe concussed or something like that so just to see her go through the power bomb and go through all these other spots was just really painful you know we we, we had this discussion a while back about like the the lesnar undertaker match and if that happened now what are they going to do like this is your answer it's like it's still the mentality we've got to finish the match and you've got to go through these spots it's like but that's ridiculous because there's three other people in this match like if one person's hurt there were a lot of like elaborate things that yeah. they were designing but it, it, you're right it's it's no excuse you know you sort of have to have like you know safety precautions no like uh, imagine if she had got a concussion but, and then she took that power bomb through a table oh, afterwards yeah. she's in yeah. no position she to be up. protecting herself to land and it's just then you're compounding mm-hmm. problems and it's like okay the match has fallen apart it's not ideal she's out of this and I just think and they we, ended up doing that, I think, because I'm sure Kyrie might, might, must have had something to do at the end. And, and instead, you had Asuka have to pull the rope, drag the, the thing back in and grab the ladder. So at the end, I feel like they had to do it all. Um, they had to basically improvise that way. But I don't know. I understand. This is live. I know it's chaotic, but I feel that like there needs to be, I think, like a better understanding of if these situations occur, having a more stringent policy that... Okay, no more bumps. And, you know, sometimes it's... It, just go to the finish. You can just go right to the finish. It's like, it's not always about we've got to finish the match. No. I think that mentality just has to be thrown out at this point. So it just ends with the men's brawl. They spill into the arena and Reigns dove off this elevated area, spearing Corbin onto all of the guys. And that's how the show went off. It, it, Strange ending with the the brawl that they immediately cut to. I think that's the add on to try you and salvage so? the rest of it. Well, you I think mean... the the brawl was like a something <coughs> like 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 an audible because like they did tease it at the beginning. They did tease it at the beginning, but I think that spot where you get the big spear off of it afterwards, right? I mean, I, mean, I could see it being planned just because you had the heels going over here that maybe they wanted to end it on more of a high note than the heels winning the match. Um, sure. That that would be my own, my my thought there, but anyway, that was the show. Um, just just a really rough rough main event. 
Yeah, um, and I can totally understand. Like, and that to me, what part of the problem of the entire show was, and the problem with like doing a TLC pay per view is the fact that everybody feels like they need to go all out for these stipulation matches, and unfortunately, it comes with a great deal of risk that I just don't think it was worth taking because you saw a number of people get legitimately injured on the show, and the worst to come, I think, it, probably in the main event here, and really for what. You know, none of these matches have uh, have really any meaning as far as storyline goes. I think these TLC matches should just be the TLC match in the main event, and that's it. Injuries are going to occur no matter what, but at the very least, hopefully, they are occurring for something that is a storyline that that is reaching its its peak and that that it's that it's it is worthwhile. I think you're right. I mean, through the WWE um, calendar year, you've got the Rumble. That makes sense. We know what that match is about, right? Um, the Elimination Chamber is now to spot where it means something and it's usually the the second contendership for the WWE titles mm-hmm. or, or whatever we want it might be for Mania. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Hell in a Cell and with TLC, th- these things are just like, this is in this month? Oh, we need to have a match. And they get like two weeks, well, we get three Raws, I guess, between Survivor Series and a, a gimmick-filled pay-per-view. Your storylines are set up two days before the pay-per-view. This is ridiculous. You're not selling tickets on the merits of these matches. You're not getting more buys on the merits of these matches because... And you're putting your roster at risk. Yeah, it's a subscription, right? No no one is paying an extra $10 or whatever it is to see a match that's booked on Friday. I wonder if there's like, you know, a, a, a desire to like kind of overcompensate for the, the weak card by taking more risk in these matches. Sure, but it's also when you see what the person does in the first match, well, I got to do better than that, right? If I'm in the, if I'm in the main event, I got to make it better than the first match. Yeah, so you know, hopefully there were there was nothing. Hopefully, especially I guess Kyrie saying would be the biggest one that there aren't any serious injuries. But man, there were a lot of like bumps and bruises on yeah, this I mean, show. Charlotte like, took a up bad and down the too. show. Like everyone, it just th- there was just a lot of that on the show, and by its nature, it's going to lend itself to that. Um, where are you guys going? Uh, thumbs up, down, in the middle. Where did you see this show? I would say thumbs. Me somewhere between eh, thumbs slightly down, like I would say about forty percent. I I thought it was a thumbs down show, like for this, you know, um, you know, first two matches aside, I mean that to me can't carry an entire show, and we're at a time when, you know, I have a pretty high bar when it comes to sitting down for a four hour wrestling pay per view, and I I did not think this was a a great show. Uh, I'm with you guys. It was uh, it was disappointing, um, but. No fault of the performers. You know, everybody busted their butts in this show. There was a lot of people that worked super hard yeah. on this show. It was just, a, you know, a factor of different things and some programs that were not very heated and had a lot of interest. And uh, one positive I'll, I'll say about this, we we were at a hit there by 1030. So <laughs> that was uh, that was a positive. I have no problems with shorter shows that they don't feel the need to have to go super long on these. And I'm glad that they did a pay-per-view where it's like, we don't have to have every star on every show. I'm fine with that to try and uh, let, let some of these programs breathe and not just get multiple matches per program. Like, no, and you get a chance to get some different people on the cards too, for sure. Was that seeing how this card played out though? And I would say an overall negative reaction to it from us. Do you think they see this and say, we can't do another show without a Seth Rollins match or without a, you know, oh, a God, Daniel no. Bryan no, match. No, I don't think th- that's not the reason why. I think just the wheels fell off in a few spots and 
I feel like they felt it was they were confident that the matches and the the spe- spectacle of okay. these TLC matches would have overcompensated for the lack of star power. On paper, and, this show going in, I thought like this will probably be a pretty good show, mm-hmm. and I think this was enhanced by the fact like if there were eleven matches on this show, I think that drags it down because sure. yeah. you're you're not going to have the time for everybody. But that main the women's main event on paper that looks like a really you're going to get twenty five minutes from the women with Charlotte involved. I'm pretty high on that. I thought Reigns and Corbin would would be fine. It didn't meet my expectations. The ladder match was was very good. Um, so what went wrong? I I think you had number one. I, I think like the crowd did hurt a lot of these these matches, and some of the the programs people were not all that invested in. I think Rusev and Lashley. I think they've they've grossly overestimated just how over this is um, to most people. I don't think people were dying to see. You had. A lot of like car crash television, but I don't think any desire to see this match, which no, a also, feud should build towards and you want to get to the match. A table match is an easy way out too as well, right? There's always that fluke. Oh, somebody falls off the ring. Oops, somebody like makes a mistake and falls off mm-hmm. the rope and falls through the table. It's not that solid payoff that someone, you know, if you're invested in the story and you want to see Bobby Lashley get his, right? You're I don't not know if a pinfall, it. like a, a standard match would have really been all that better. Better, to be no. honest. Like it had, it, it has to be something involving Lana directly, you know? What do you propose? Well, no, I'm I'm saying like something where she's a bit more involved than just, right. you know, somebody sitting on the sidelines. Tables, Lana's and chairs match. Like, do you put Lana through a table? Mm-hmm. Like, what's, what's, I mean, like she in, is, in another era, that would yes, be how sure. this feud ends right? with Rusev putting Lana through a table, but they're not going to be doing the that The feud today. is Rusev, Lana. Yeah. You know? Uh, so we'll we'll go to NW in, into the fire very shortly, but I just want to get to the rating from the forum. Yep. The forum gives this show a four point nine five out of ten. Ouch! All right. Um, you want to let's go to NWA? NWA. Uh, okay. Tell us a bit about the show, Mike. What were the standout matches, and what did you think overall of the show in, in comparison to uh, NWA Power? How they did. Tra- taking that and applying it to pay-per-view. I, I really enjoyed the format of NWA Power as, as a season, which I think is something they started promoting mm-hmm. later on, that this was going to be the uh, season finale, the pay-per-view. And I think they've done a great job introducing people, their motivations, alliances, what people want, who wants the belt, where people are on the card, who do they like, who do they not like. Mm-hmm. I agree. I like... On this card, I was amazed at how much I knew about every single character. Yeah, right? You know? Like, and, and everybody got a chance to breathe, and you didn't get inundated. Like, there wasn't, like, 15 characters on the first episode. It took, like, mm-hmm. six episodes to get the 15 characters, right? It's a lot more than I could say about AEW, honestly. I agree. I think there's so many people that appear on their on their on in their matches that I really don't know any motivation yep. about. And I think the difference is the fact that NWA lets their characters talk maybe often talk more than actually wrestle and i think you're right and getting back to the pay-per-view when that happened almost before or after every match there was a segues at the desk Mm -hmm. i I kind of felt like i was just watching an extended version of power right right? and that isn't a bad thing Mm -hmm. but i was expecting a a little bit more i was expecting a, a slightly different presentation and yes we got some ring entrance music Walk Does that into, matter? Walking through the stairs. Wa- yeah, walking down from the stairs instead of kind of popping through the back. Thing is, do you take it out of the arena and kind of take that, take the appeal of kind of what, what makes it attractive? I would like to see them try and see if they can transfer that energy and that nostalgic feeling that people have. Right. And put it in a different place. Put it in um, we've seen some place like Ted Reeves, well, when right? They did where it's a, a different a, looking yeah, like, place. Like the right? Crockett Cup pay-per-view. Yeah. I mean, they tried, yeah. they did a great job of like, and that was like a bigger venue 
But it's interesting because now the the set, like GPB Studios, is yeah. almost like a character within right. the show itself. That's a big appeal to people. And that's, mm. you know, the first time you saw the photo of that, I think that grabbed people. And that was a big reason for the hook of episode one was, wow, I really want to see what this product's like. Yeah, and it definitely, you know, for older fans, you know, or people who've been watching stuff on the network um, from 30 years ago, from 40 years ago, right? It definitely has that feel. And that sort of like low-key not just in the presentation, but also actually the matte style itself. Um, I was telling John, you know, there was one dive on the whole pay-per-view. And, from, he, was, and he was 63. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. And that's crazy. Right. Yeah, like no, in, this, in this day and age. And that um, I was explaining to Vivian, my oldest daughter, uh, known as Queen of the Sea Block out there. Did she that, watch it? Uh, she watched a little bit of it, but it's been a pretty busy weekend with her hockey. Um, there isn't like a finishing move. For guys it kind of harkens back to the 70s and 80s where a match really can end out of anywhere right. and it's not like you've incapacitated the person or hurt them it's you just kind of got the better of them mm-hmm. and it kind of leaves it open that a lot the storytelling of they got beat this time but it's not going to happen again and it kind of keeps the competition i think going mm-hmm. how did you find Stu bennett did on commentary i thought he was really Gallagher. good yeah. i thought he was really good um he had a weight of the the history of the company um he knew the characters he knew who everybody was uh he knew what they were doing there there was no mistakes on anything and much like uh joe gallus i mean he knows the holes he knows what the proper names for that's a hangman's neck breaker it's not just a neck breaker there's like specific variations of things that you know, when we were growing up, you kind of got that stuff instead of, oh, what a maneuver or vintage reigns. You know, it's no, that's a that's a knuckle lock. You know, that's a that's a hammer lock and things like like when's the last time you saw a hammer lock in a match? I I, I think, you know, um, I I like Bennett a lot. I it's so weird calling him that. Stu <laughs> Bennett. There's I, I don't think anybody's going to be as perfect of a fit for this product as Jim Cornette. No, nope. like he was really just the perfect voice for it. It's too bad. He is the only person, he is I the would person say, that he yeah. is, right? The only other person I would say is maybe, maybe Jim Ross. Yeah, sure. Right? Great. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think they found a wonderful replacement yeah. in Stu Bennett who really like fits the tone of the product. And especially now up top with like so many people coming out of the British scene that are, uh, find themselves in NWA. He has a lot of personal stories, uh, attached to all those guys. So in the main event, it was Nick Aldis and James Storm, Aldis retaining the title. And I guess the big news coming out is Marty Skrull appearing and I guess teasing a match with Nick Aldis and rematch, as, rematch and, yeah. and the rematch right from uh, the last pay-per-view. But they also announced pay-per-view for Friday, January 24th, which is Royal Rumble weekend. They're going to run a Friday night at 7 p.m. show. So they will go against SmackDown that night and coming back very quick to pay-per-view. Do you think it's too quick? Uh, it would be interesting to see how they lay this out, right? Because everything else was in the can. I got to think that they've got, I've got faith in them to kind of tell the story that they want to get to with this pay-per-view. I have to imagine part of the thinking is that they just, number one, it's $20. So it's not that big of a commitment. And also I have a feeling they just want to start making money because they're putting the show up up on YouTube for For nothing. So, you know, to ask somebody every single month to pay $20 for essentially what you're getting on YouTube, as well as this pay-per-view that could perhaps be some of the thinking that there's. And there was definitely an interest in this pay-per-view. I think they had put out the, the note that the pre-sale orders for this pay-per-view 
already beat out their NWA 70th mm. uh, anniversary show. The the total buys for that. So I don't that, know if you guys caught it, but the the pre the pre sale was five bucks less than. I, I yeah. thought it very smart. Yeah, that's a yeah, promotion that's a on smart their part, move, right? Yeah. And it, you can start to drum up interest, and you can see. Okay, this works. We know where we're at. We'll probably get X amount more, right? But mm-hmm. it's smart because you, you, it's almost like a one two punch that you're going to, you know, what your pre sale is going to be. It's going to incentivize people to buy early. So it gives you a gauge of where we're at. Yep. And then you're still going to get people at the last minute who are going to want, that are deciding to buy a pay per view the day of, and they'll end up spending the extra $5. But it's almost like two big opportunities to, to hit people with as opposed to just, uh, traditional pay-per-view where you're going to wait till the day of anyway and maybe you don't order if you pre-order it then you know you're going to make your plans ahead of time so the two biggest disappointments i had was one uh we didn't find out what camille said to james yeah. Storm, right and i think that was a really big that should have been a big payoff on this pay-per-view of what was said and we kids- should talk about the finish okay of the match what do you want to say well, okay, so two out of three falls. Two out of three falls. Uh, uh, so it's uh, Tim Storm was the one of the referees, and Brian Hebner was Hebner, one of the referees. Yeah. So in the third fall, obviously it's one one, and then in the third fall, Brian Hebner gets knocked out from a ref bump, and so Tim Storm has to come in. And I, I don't know if the intent was to let people believe that Tim Storm would was going to screw like Nick Aldis over or anything. I mean, I think it's there, right? Right. But that didn't happen. Instead, nope. it was just Camille coming out, distracting. Wait, that was the first fall. That was the what first was the fall. Third yeah. fall. Remind. The, fir- the so the second sorry the third fall we had um, everybody come out to br- the, wait. We're, we're just gonna I'm, we're gonna go back I'm over. <laughs> we watched a lot of wrestling. This yeah, weekend, man. I was watching this during the kickoff. It was like a whole <laughs> lot of. John's gonna pull up my report because that's what I'm trying to do. I am too. gonna pull up your report. So okay, so we <laughs> have to feed me through this. Uh, we're the worst. You know, I'm never coming back for live one, I can tell. Tim Storm comes comes to referee the match. Storm then hits the last call. Aldis then takes the top turnbuckle pad off yes, the right, corner, right. and Storm tries to go for the pin. Aldis kicks out, and Storm's face goes into the exposed buckle. Tim Storm gives both men a standing 10 count. Aldis gets up, locks in the Texas Cloverleaf, and James Storm is out. So Tim the, Storm calls for the bell. So the idea is that Nick Aldis cheated by exposing the turnbuckle to knock... Except James that he was also out. in a state of disarray where he kind of holds onto the turnbuckle and pulls back and it so comes So did off. he cheat or did he not cheat in I mean, it, it is a, you can, you can really, it's, it's is left open. Yeah. It's, that's the tease, right? And I think that there's, um, I like that. That's uh, no, there con- was a lot no of controversy with Tim Storm, unless you want to say that he was in on it. He shouldn't have been the ref because mm, at this right. point it should have been Brian Hebner who was the ref after the coin toss, right. but he gets, uh, injured and he's out. So then you have, you know, if you're James Storms, this is your conspiracy, right? Right. He got screwed out of it by the guy who shouldn't have been calling it, who was Nick Aldis's guy. So I think that, the, you know, whatever they're going to, Tuesday's episode is going to be, there should be, you know, uh, if you watch the pay-per-view, there's hooks there. So what was your disappointment? Besides that one? That Tim Storm wasn't revealed as James's <laughs> You father. didn't like the match. <laughs> I did. I liked a lot of the matches, but... Like I said, you are kind of paying 20 bucks to watch an extended version of what you've been watching this whole time. Mm-hmm. And even though the pay-per-view was only two and a half hours long, my second one is there was so much video replay of what we've seen through this only nine episode storyline, right? And if you're watching the pay-per-view 
of this product, you have probably watched every episode. I don't know. I don't necessarily know about that. Some you people, don't think so? Well, I, I, I definitely think that some... I, I, I don't doubt that there are people giving this one a chance or perhaps okay. that, that need a refresher or a crash course about exactly what's going on because they might not have seen all nine episodes. Like, I, I, I personally didn't feel it was a negative that they reminded you of what the storylines are Often. before you the match. Often throughout, like, the period. I would right. say, like, if you take Too that much? two and a half hours... It's got to be at least, what, 40 minutes maybe of, like, video recap? Mm, maybe. Half an hour, right? Was it that much, really? I, wow. Um, okay. I thought it was a little much. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, watching, I, I, the only match I, I did not see was a three-way, unfortunately, because okay. I ran out of time. But I felt like this was a show where the wrestling, certainly, much like the TV show, the wrestling is not going to be something that you would go out of your way to be like, wow, this holy shit, this match. You're right. For me, it's more so the characters and how invested you are in the characters. They could, I, I mean, I think they continue to do a really good job of like building up storylines and building up, uh, you know, individual rivalries. I would say all the matches for the most part are really passable. Uh, they come with great crowd, uh, cr- uh, audience. The crowd's really into them, yeah. Excellent crowds that just sound really good despite them being so small. I was disappointed by the women's, uh, the, the women's, uh, tag, tag match, match yeah. which I didn't think was that good. Yeah. But everything else I thought was very passable. You know, again, no blow away matches at no. all. But like, I love seeing the Rock and Roll Express, which who retain uh, <laughs> yeah. the belts. I love seeing them in that environment. I'm glad they're keeping them. I don't care about the complaints of them being too old. Like no. they're just special. They're over. Like you know, let let's. Like run they're with they're going to specialize in, in storytelling matches, and I think that like in Nick, great promos and great promos. That's what's going to build them. And yeah. you know, Nick Aldis, like he can go out and have like your classic championship style match that I think most people will like. The matches with Cody and like he's been able to show like, you know, he can do a perfectly great championship style match that if the NWA were to load a pay-per-view up with like all these like hot flyers and stuff like that, I don't know how much that would translate and the NWA trying to be something different. But it's tough because now a lot of your audience like that's what they're conditioned to, to want to see. And are they going to accept story over, you know, great, great in ring that the the bar is so high I don't think the NWA can compete in that, so they're going something totally different and at least trying uh, a different alter- alternative path. So we talked about TLC tonight and, and how dangerous some of these matches were and what does it mean. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it is, this is the exact opposite. Yeah. All these matches came out of something that somebody wanted a payoff to that has been leading towards this for free on, yep. on YouTube, right? You can watch it whenever you want. Um it is a totally different feel. It's a it's an alternative and a very the, safe style. A very safe style, right? And for guys that you know, maybe they're not making a big buck off of Billy Corgan on on these shows. It's okay because it's something different, right? And you yeah. can have guys like Colt Cabana, you know, with his style. He's not going to make it in WWE. That's not that's not, not their wrestling like that. No, exactly. Not wrestling like that. But that's him, um, right? Yeah. I, I I will also say I feel like there's right now a bit of a disconnect about who the audience wants to cheer versus who they're trying to promote as a babyface versus a heel, <laughs> and that you know goes for somebody like the question mark, the who question is like mark, one of the most over guys in that entire thing. Uh, that's I, going. I don't get it at this point. <laughs> I know. Like, I, did you did you watch everyone. it? The match with the the, <laughs> the Mongrovian flag and everything. Oh, that was, was ridiculous, amazing. right? I love it. John, you gotta see. You gotta see <laughs> okay. the. Mong- I, I have not seen the pay per view. Yeah, but see, I'm going to try and watch you it. You got to see the Mongrovian flag ceremony at the and, very least. You know, Aaron Stevens in the three way for the national title had some great spots with like yeah, a, right. hiding behind a Christmas tree. And like, I, I know what you mean, though. It felt very much like a TV show. And what's yeah. going to entice somebody to pay $20 to, when you've been watching for free? So we, we kind of disagreed about this this week, but they're coming back this, uh, this, this Tuesday with a new episode. Yeah. 
And I would assume like running like they only have five weeks until the next pay-per-view. Right. Do you, would you have preferred if this pay-per-view wrapped up this season and then they go away for a month or two and you can come back with mm. allow you to miss it? Or do you think it's you're going to cut off your momentum? If I you think stop. You know, you're going into the holiday season, so there's the the chance that people are going to forget about it. But on YouTube, you can put the channel on and watch it whenever you want, right? And everything's lined up. So you're not worried about missing it or missing your PVR. It's there. It's a different way of watching it. It's totally not what the NWA was about in the, you know, in the 70s or 80s, let's say, right? But I think you got to kind of strike while the iron's hot too, right? And if they've got this momentum coming out of the pay-per-view, if they felt good about, I mean, they already had the TV tapings booked, Ahead of time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They were taping tonight and they'll do another one Monday. Right. Even before they got the, the, uh, presale buys, right. They must have felt some strong movements going, right. I mean, they've had, it's had a lot of views for on I, YouTube. I feel like wrestling viewership is at like a critical, like, you know, um, um, it, it, people, uh, like I've said before, I think everybody's looking for things to cut and looking for excuses to, <laughs> yep. for things to cut. And yep. so I don't know if taking a week off for any reason right now is really, you know, good. Well, and like, and granted, I said that before I realized they'd be having a pay-per-view so quick. So right. that kind of throws things out. But I will say this, too. Like, you can talk about, you know, they're, they've got their niche that are going to buy their shows. I think it'd be a big mistake to go monthly. Because I don't yeah, see I don't by, think by month three to. or four no. people are going to be buying these shows in, in great numbers because you're gonna you're gonna lose that specialness if you're coming back yep. every five weeks. I think you're right. If I mean if they package it as a season and had a schedule of like uh, on for ten weeks and mm-hmm. then off for a month and then come back on for two months, kind of thing, you know, and give everybody a break, then go do something else, yada yada yada. Very quickly, let me run through the results. So uh, from the top, Nick Aldis defeated James Storm in the two falls to one match for the NWA Championship. We had Aaron Stevens winning the NWA National Championship in a triple threat match, uh, defeating Cole Cabana and Ricky Starks. Allison K. welcome. Uh, so they did the thing where Ashley Box was injured earlier in the show, so she had a, uh, Allison K. had a surprise partner, which was ODB making her return, taking on uh, Belina and Marty Bell, and they def- the baby faces won there. Uh, Allison Kane, no DB. The Rock and Roll Express retained against the Wild Cards. The Question Mark defeated Trevor Murdoch. Thunder Rosa defeated Tasha Steeles, who I thought looked really good. Yeah. And Eli Drake defeated Ken Anderson. All right. So they'll have a new episode on Tuesday with like the follow-up from the show and... Yeah, whatever else is uh, made up of that. Uh, do we want to go to calls? We are opening up the phone lines, everybody, to get your thoughts on any of the things that you might have watched, TLC or NWA or anything else, UFC even. So uh, let's go to the phone calls right now. Caller, you're on the line. Jared, what's going on? Guys, if I thought with um, a TLC pay-per-view about tables, ladders, and chairs, stuff to do with divorce, never would I hear fuck salad come out of <laughs> your guys' mouths at some point, even if it involved KFC. But... um. I, I my my favorite match of the night was um, Alistair Black and Buddy Murphy. Do you guys see a potential program at WrestleMania for Alistair Black and The Undertaker? Uh, I don't. I, that would not be the name I, I would look at. But I mean, I do see them like seeing Alistair Black as like a major priority that they're they're going to be heating up. Uh, the Undertaker. I don't know. I don't know what to expect for for him at WrestleMania. I I don't sense really the specialness to do it, but would not surprise me either if he gets a program. So what would the be the, the situation be there? Because I think like if you're going to pass the torch from the Undertaker, you know, as I 
I think they've been trying to have him do for years now. I mean, there's no better person to give it to than Aleister Black. But do you risk the audience booing Aleister Black by putting him in, in there with The Undertaker? And what sort of a I, match? I, th- I think you risk having a really bad match. Well, that's the main thing. Well, how big of a match can you get from Aleister Black versus The Undertaker? I can't picture The Undertaker taking that black mass. Uh, black mass is relatively easy, though. It's like he doesn't have to get lifted. He just has to collapse. I just don't think – I don't think that's a finish people want to see The Undertaker take uh, at this point. Sure. I-, I just see that one being um, a-, a tough fit uh, at this point. And to be honest, like I don't know how much a win over The Undertaker really does for the guy winning it versus it's more so the headline is The Undertaker losing. And we've seen it now twice uh, since the Lesnar match. So mm. I-, I think like the importance is kind of gone. It, was Roman Reigns any more popular after The Undertaker lost? Like, yes, you got that cool segment the next night on Raw, but that's about the value of it. I, I, Lesnar, I think it did help him because he was getting a little stagnant one. at that point. And I think that that really did rejuvenate him at a time when kind of the Lesnar experiment was sort of kind of running out of, out of fumes at that point that he really needed it. But the Reigns thing, I, I don't think that did anything for Reigns. I think he would have been in the exact I same place the, without it. I, I think the uh, problem with Lesnar matches in the last few years is he's had these really big, bulky guys that he's had to face, and the matches have kind of gone down downhill because of that. But with Alice Black, he's he's a big guy, but he's athletic. He can move really fast. Undertaker's moved into a bit more of a striking guy ever since he's gotten a little bit older. Alice is that striking guy. They're both that demonic thing. Even if he, even if Alistair Black loses to Undertaker in the end, he still gets that main event rub that I think he might need to keep going forward. Yeah, I, 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 th- I think obviously like the promos and stuff, you could craft a really cool lead up to that match because of the characters and like their natural uh, natural fit. I just look at the Undertaker now that you know to go out and people will have the expectation of a big Undertaker match that I think. You know, the Undertaker, if he's doing a match at WrestleMania, it should be six minutes. Or it should, it should be a spot. Yeah, or yeah. a spot. Yeah, and I think that's the best utilization of the Undertaker now. Back to the phone lines. Caller, you're on. What's going on? Good evening, guys. MJ in New York. Hey, MJ. What's up? Um, Going back real quick to the, well, the TLC pay-per-view, which um, you guys reviewed earlier. It felt like, and I mean this in a complimentary way, Felt like a good episode, or what I would want a good episode of Monday Night Raw to be. It was like three and a half hours, so I guess you could trim it down to like three hours. Maybe scrap a match or two with the gimmicks, but ultimately it's just wrestling matches that don't feel kind of thrown on TV for the sake of it. These all had some kind of storyline to it, and there wasn't any title matches. Like this wasn't uh, NXT and AEW on Wednesday feel like bigger shows than TLC felt like tonight. And I don't know why Raw can't just be that as well. Yeah, it's I, I mean, we look at like Raw that I think I think one of the major things is that it's it's very difficult to present like these high end matches because, you know, you're handicapped by the fact that you've got to work in all those commercial breaks, which I think would affect the flow of all of the matches um, that, that we talked about tonight. But yeah, in, in terms of importance, yeah, I think AEW and NXT have done a much better job of Wednesday comes around and you know what the, the key matches are or the key segments are. And you've been look you've been at least aware of them for a week to be able to anticipate and look forward to it where WWE it's, it's usually a day's notice or so that you don't really get that anticipation. It's just, you're a creature of habit and you're tuning into these shows. Yeah. I, I felt like there was uh, 
maybe the lack of promotion made these matches to me at least feel not in, not major, not pay per view worthy. I know they spent a lot of time with Rusev and Lashley. They spent a lot of time with Corbin and Reigns. But if you gave me those on Monday and Friday as like main event type matches, that's all I need. I, I mean, the pay per view was good just because it was I don't know moved by. <laughs> uh, good is a good is a strong word, but considering it moved by, I give it a good a, a thumbs up. It moved by. That's well, what, that's uh, where we're at. That'll now. be the T-shirt. <laughs> WWE TLC. Uh, real quick on NWA, and I wanted to just touch on something Wade said, which I think is probably I agree with the statement that people are probably looking to trim some of their week to week viewing, but from a big, uh, you know, a, a well promoted card, I think we do see with the example of New Japan that when they do have good cards, people will come back to the product. Um, so the idea that, you know, week to week, I'm not watching power because it's just, there's only so much time. Uh, but I would be interested in watching the next pay-per-view knowing that this one went well, if they promoted something with Marty and all this, like that would be a good hook for me. And I don't necessarily feel like I need to be watching it week to week. And I think there's some recipe for success there where we can get to watch shows, just kind of tuning in to see well-promoted cards. I think New Japan though is so firmly established, and to establish themselves at that level, they had they've had to ha- deliver like consistent quality for years now at the highest levels that we've seen anywhere in wrestling. Is NWA capable of delivering something as entertaining as Wrestle Kingdom year over year, or something as the high, the quality of a G one for whatever kind of like you know qualifications it has for its own fan base? I'm not sure. Like if it could do that, then yes. But even New Japan struggles. Like, look how good yeah, they are, the and they struggle to get people to stick around. The tag league, no one was watching, right? Yeah. Like, so MJ, what can you not live with it every week? Where do I not live? No, no, I'm what no can longer. You, I grew what, up in. No, 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 no. What can you not live without? What do you have to watch every week? Oh, what can I not live without? Yeah. Uh, at this point, my like go-to wrestling when I want to watch something to enjoy and like week to week, I'm not going to miss it. AEW, NXT, and then with the exception of Tag League, like pretty much most of the other big tours that New Japan does, right. um, you guys supplement week to week kind of WWE. Mm-hmm. Good answer. Uh, thank, <laughs> thank you, MJ, for the call. All yeah. good. Take care, guys. Yeah, but that's, I mean, that that's to me, it's, it's a big priority for fans. It's still like my time, my free time. And what am I going to, there's no way you're consuming everything. And there was a time when you could, if it was on TV, you could probably go out of your way to catch all the, the promotions that have TV and between everything that's available. Now you've got to pick and choose. And I think that if you're not watching something weekly, it becomes very easy to just skip it and, and throw it out. It becomes very, very easy. So that's, uh, that's, you know, to your point about the momentum factor with NWA, something maybe they don't want to risk is the idea of you go away and then you're out of sight, out of mind. Back to the phone lines. Caller, you're on the air. What's up? Good evening, good evening, guys. How oh are you? my goodness! How did you? How do you make it through all the time? Like, we're like, we got so many people trying to. Get, okay, what's up, Brandon? Oh man, good evening, guys. What's what's good, man? Uh, oh, my, man, Mike might hang up on you, so we're we're just watching him. <laughs> nice hat, Mike. That team that team's real struggling this year, huh? <laughs> are, are you driving a truck as we speak, Brandon? Are, are you? Are you wearing no, brown? Your hands free? Uh, I'm I'm suiting up. In about fifteen minutes, to, damn, to make the trek. So yeah, it's been a it's been a busy it's it's a busy month. But 
We get through it. Man, it's a grind. Please be safe. What's that? Please be safe is all I ask. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. I'm, did you, I'm did you make it through TLC? <laughs> I, 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 caught, I caught a couple matches and I took a little nap. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was a cool show. Uh, I mean, that women's, that women's uh, TLC match was under chaos. But, uh, and uh, lastly, was um, the last of the match was, uh, was there. I mean, it was pretty interesting. It was, uh, Rusev's over. I mean, clearly, right? He, he's got something behind him at the moment. And, you know, I think they, they've got to wrap up this program. And then it's where do they pivot Rusev from here after this program? Uh, because I'll be honest, I I think Lashley, I don't know where you go with Lashley after this. I don't think Lashley has really been much more than just an He's add-on just an to this program. Yeah. I, I don't see him. I, I don't see him any more over from this program in this association than he was prior. And then King Corbin's court keeps uh, expanding with the uh, uh, the revival. Was, that was interesting, right? It was um, very interesting. That's it. Yeah. Uh, but the but but the but the real story is the the new Los single Bernables in ROH. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So so tonight was the ROH tapings. Uh, I was just kind of skimming through this. So is this right that uh, Kenny King joined Lij? <laughs> yes. What? <laughs> yeah, that's crazy, right? So he, can can he understand what Rush is saying? <laughs> I hope he's bilingual. I mean, but, I mean, I don't know. It's interesting, right? I think they hinted that he was because his um, is it Amanda Rose that comes out with him speaks to him in Spanish. They talked about it in the pay per view on Friday night. Right. Yes. Yep. He was he was on the pre show part. Yeah, which I missed because I have Rogers. Oh, you missed the pre show. Well, there was a hot like All Night Express like grudge match that they put on the pre show. I know. Yes. Woo! All right, Brandon. <laughs> any any final thoughts? Yeah. Um. I, I'm just curious. Is is Lij have more? Uh... Uh, clicks in, in different organizations than any members of the NWO. <laughs> it's like the fifth organization that there's an LIJ. Would he, is it too much? Or, or what do you think about that? I, I'm out of here. All right. Th- thank you, Brandon. Um, too many. I mean, well, they're not exactly LIJ. They'd just be LI if they're outside of Japan. That's right. Yes. They? Yeah, so, exactly. So. LIA? America? No, yeah, I don't know. How many cl- factions are there outside of like. And is Roosh still? Do they say like Los Angeles Bernabes anymore? Yeah, they do. They bring and up that he's a founding member. It does not like does the CMLO not own own it? And how that's can, a good point. How I can mean, Rush? How can Roosh like still doesn't isn't he on the outs with them? No, I mean he doesn't use like the, he still does the same mannerisms that he used right. to. Right, a lot of the stuff that Naito is kind of mirrored. Um, okay, and I'll I mean you can't. See. I mean you can't ignore what RH never ignores what else another company is doing. Right, yeah. so. Back to the phone lines. Caller, you're on. What's up? Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, Hanzi. What's up? Hey, how's it going? Yo, um, before I get to my question, I just uh, I I thought that um, uh, the email link would come into the Patreon. So I I was sitting there for like an hour for like 45 minutes. I didn't know you guys had a show on, so I caught up like pretty easily. Like you know, I, mean? I had to speed it up a bit, okay. but I finally caught up. You know what I mean? But, I, uh, yeah, no, uh, I saw that you didn't get it. I don't know why. Like, um, it's supposed to have gone out to, to, to everybody or everybody who's uh, subscribed. So, um, maybe send me a message after we can look into it. But what do you think of TLC? Oh, no, yeah, for sure. No, I, I, I just thought I, I, I was like, I was just, I was just wondering where the show was. Right? I was like waiting, but then I finally just logged onto my Patreon to like, and I saw the show. But, um, 
I thought the show, listen, I, I know everyone else was down on it, but maybe because I live tweet during it and I'm like looking at everyone else's jokes and opinions, that these shows don't really come off as badly to me. Because I, I kind of enjoy like at least the first hour. And I actually like, even though the Miz and uh, White Match wasn't really anything, I kind of enjoyed the aesthetic of him coming out to like the the family friendly music and all that. And like, I see people like, you know, already complaining about like, like, oh, this guy doesn't sell anything. But then, like, I'm, I, and I know the the ring work is is like, it depends on who, who, if you like the ring work or not. But I always find it odd that like all these guys in NXT they do all these finishers, like thirty finishers, and these guys don't sell it. But like, but people are mad that Bray Wyatt, who is built as a monster, is not selling anything. I think it's kind of refreshing that a current guy, other than a part timer, is actually being built as like a monster in my personal opinion. But um I just thought the pay per view was dope. And I think I'll I'll leave you guys with um I I just wanna know like uh do, do you guys think that like like do you guys think that ROH like I it, I don't know, it just feels like they're at its wit's end. Do you guys think that they're staying in business or do you guys uh follow some of these rumors that like it could be going out of business soon? All right, thanks a lot for the call, Hansi. And that can uh, take us into just some thoughts on Final Battle from Friday night. Uh, They did follow up with their television tapings tonight. But yeah, this has been a really tumultuous year for Ring of Honor this year. I would say in terms of the future of the company, their future of the company is completely down to Sinclair. And that's if it's programming for Sinclair, they'll either want to continue with it or not continue with it. It's not going to be something where like that, that's ultimately what it comes down to. But in terms of Ring of Honor itself, um, where do you kind of assess where the company is now uh, at the end of 2019, Mike? I mean, what we expect Ring of Honor to be um, as a wrestling company is the kind of classic you have your sh- TV show. It makes you want to go to the live events. And in the end, you want to pay for the pay-per-view and you get your payoff. But that's not how Sinclair has it. Sinclair has it as uh, an hour of television every week. And the TV does not necessarily lead you to buy the pay-per-view, inform you of the pay-per-view, I think, as strongly as it could. Um, keep you up to date exactly of where they are in their storylines. I mean, the live events are not um, lined up where the the TV episodes are of what's been going on or who's turned on who and da 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 To really follow the product, you have to, I think, get into the Honor Club, right? To, to watch all the live events that they're doing that – it almost seems like the uh, the TV episodes are kind of cherry picking aspects of to show. It, it seems like this has been a year where everyone has to adjust. It's like the whole industry has changed and Ring of Honor has changed. I don't think for the better. And it, it's almost like they're still of the belief that it's still of two years ago of ter- in terms of their place in the market. And yeah. it's like there's so many other players now and you are playing catch up to a lot of other companies that where people may have been sampling your product at this level two years ago. Now there are X, Y, and Z other companies that are out there yep. that you are competing with. And it's that much tougher to be able to uh, maintain those fans. And I, th- I think that this has been a really uh, sobering year for them in, in that sense since April. I think we sat, we sat here last year at the end of final battle and we were like, okay, so what's next with ring of honor. And they had brought in PCO. They'd brought in Brody King and Bandito uh, and Bandito and, you know, uh, Mark Haskins, 
and Juice right. Juice was going to be uh, Juice Robinson was going to be a player supposedly with uh, yeah, Lifeblood. Yeah, at yeah the, the first. Lifeblood guys, and yeah. it was at least like okay, this was the first step, and that's that's something here. Jeff Cobb was early on, uh, early days there, and at the end of this year, they were in worse shape than they were at the end of last year. Right, knowing that they were already going to lose the elite, they did nothing with Marty Skrull. They kept put the belt on Taven and kept it on Taven for, I think, the detriment of uh, their fan base. They weren't happy with it. And they didn't pull the trigger, like I said, on Skrull, or they didn't pull the trigger on Cobb like they could have. And finally, they gave the belt to PCO, which I think they could have done and it was a four double months whammy. ago, it, five months ago. It wasn't just the guys that left last year, but it was also kind of like the New Japan relationship this year. Like you didn't right get that, yeah. that crossover that, you know, that that was a big part of Ring of Honor the last couple of years. Like there last was five years. You could go to the Ted Reeve Arena and see Tetsuya Naito. And, and this year... You know, you really had to double down and focus on your key guys yeah. uh, this year, and you lost some big ones last year, and it was, and, and it's been a struggle just with all the other factors. I That's don't... not even getting into the business of how they're they're running their company, right? Whether it was the nonsense with Billy Ray and the fan, allegedly, um, what's happening all with the their stuff lately? Yeah, like it. <laughs> it. It's been a really bad year overall for Ring of Honor, and I think that the first three months it was kind of this mirage because you had Madison Square Garden to look to, but. We all knew there was going to be life after Madison Square Garden. And then it's like, okay, then the company is really on the clock because now that's when reality sets in. But they had the chance at Madison Square Garden to make an impression, to pull the trigger on something like giving Skrull the belt and and making their fans go home happy. They didn't. Any other thoughts? How did you feel about the pay-per-view? Did you like it? Yeah, it was fine. Yeah. You know, and in this day and age, like you said, it, it was a relatively easy watch. It was about three hours of pay-per-view. Uh, there's no reason to go back and, you know, really revisit it for someone if they don't have the interest in the product. Well, let's go revisit the phone lines. <laughs> Our man, we interested. Our man, Neil, what's going on? Hi, guys. And it's very nice to say hi to you, Mike. Hey, how's it going? Very good, thanks. Um, what a stacked weekend of content on post wrestling. The David Starr interview, the double header, rewind to SmackDown, UFC two four five, and I woke up this morning to the great WH Park and Thunderstruck, which I thought was one of the most accessible of the series, yes. being the match with Tyler Breeze from um, Takeover Brooklyn. That match is Brooklyn. That match is free, by the way. Uh, Breeze versus Jushin Liger, which is the subject of this week's Thunderstruck. So you can uh, find uh, the link to the match as well as the podcast itself at postwrestling.com. Yeah. I don't have a great deal to say about TLC. I think you guys have said it all, really. It's um, it's never a t- it's never a pay-per-view I look forward to that much or have great expectations for. When you have all these gimmick matches that are sort of shoehorned into storylines and as mike said earlier sometimes with a day or two before you know these days with smackdown on friday uh, the angle is set up two days before a pay-per-view that has tables ladders and chairs in its name you know it's just all it's a bit lame really um but i would like to mention something that caught my attention from into the fire and that's that these old school character promos also give us some really (laughs) fun moments and some really good comedy segments um you already mentioned it earlier on but i mean it gave me a massive a a real belly laugh and even remembering it today made me laugh was the uh, question mark and aaron stevens pre-match part i mean the mongrovian flag ceremony and you've got to see the flag john and uh, and and then 
I want that flag coming flag. up in that uh, that arena or that studio. I want yes. them to hang with the other one. Oh, yes, they have to hang it. Right? Yeah. yeah, they've got to get it hung. And and, and then um, the rendition by question mark of the Mongrovian national anthem, which uh, I wouldn't want to spoil, but it's <laughs> you should, um, it's bound to be on YouTube or somewhere. But there's um, it didn't really have words. It's just him grumbling in a, in, in a really low register. <laughs> And, and, and there were guys you could see these people in the background putting their hands over their hearts and stuff you know it's just it was hilarious and I was just it just made me think I haven't had a proper belly laugh like that from WWE in ages no, and I, I think it's it's because of Vince's idea of comedy is a guy pissing his pants or men dressed in drag for that Lashley sister thing. It's funny because I never, sorry to interrupt you, but I never really liked comedy in, in WWE in the past. And, you know, as, as Foley always kind of said about never drawing, but man, like there's, there's a good sense of comedy to the NWA stuff and it doesn't seem out of place in the product. Not at all. Yeah. And I I think WWE could do more with a bit of natural funny. They have funny guys. Yeah. Um, Clearly, Kevin Owens will will often raise a laugh in the dot com segments, but they're not they're not they're not scripted. They're not really canon. It's, um, it's kind of like you know, I think what what I connect with, with with the NWA sense of humor, in particular, like the Tony Falk commercials, things like that, <laughs> is that like yeah. they are clearly not making comedy for everybody. They're not making it accessible for a USA audience. You know, a great deal of people that watch it either hate it or don't get it at all. But I, for some reason, like that's the type of stuff that if you do understand it, you really like it. Um, and unfortunately, like the WWE and, 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 you know, a show on Fox or USA is really not the space to take risks like that. And that's why you get such watered down shit. What's interesting is that as we had the lead up to AEW and there was so much concern that you can't put being the elite on television and this concern that that's what AEW would be. And in watching it, and it it kind of really hit me just over the last week when they did the Joey Ryan wrestler's court segment on Impact. Like, Impact, to me, is the most influenced by being the elite. If you want to look at uh, the Johnny Swinger character, the, the throwback, uh, an entire episode based in 1983. Mm-hmm. Like, that to me, it, like, they have taken, and that's what Impact is just trying to scream at the side of the road to get everyone's attention by just doing wacky stuff, doing stuff that's going to go viral among wrestling fans. And that's like, they to me have a real tone of going like the being the elite style where it's almost as much we're writing for the talent that what they find funny, we find funny. Hopefully our fans find funny. Mm-hmm. So Neil, who's your favorite uh, character on in uh, power? Uh, question mark. Question mark. It's just, yeah, yeah. I, would, I just find it hilarious. I find that whole thing hilarious. Yeah, it's um, it's so silly, but um, it works. It's silly, yeah, and it does work in that world. Thank you so much for the call, Neil, as always. You're very welcome. Thanks for taking it. See ya. Should we power through some uh, forum feedback let's, before let's we uh, we wrap this up? Yes. Mike has to probably wake up in like an hour. So we start off with uh, Brandon from Oshawa. He has uh, two questions here. One about if Zelina and Andrade split up, who would you like to see Zelina placed with? Or do you think this is all just um, ultimately the two are together still? I think the two are still together. I think they work really well together. Yeah. I, I would worry about Andrade without having somebody with him. So. I don't think she's had her moments to shine as much in the main roster yet. I feel both sp- splitting up. I think it, I think it would harm both of them yeah. unless you had a solid idea for 
where Zelina goes. Well, I mean, I feel like they're teasing something perhaps with Carrillo and Zelina, but I don't really like that pairing. I like her way more as a heel. I really like her with, with Andrade, so I don't. I hope it's just a tease. And, that, and then he also asks that uh, if WWE went Lucha Underground and delved into a time travel angle with Daniel Bryan's past self coming to the future for some reason. I like it. This sounds good. Is there any way you guys could accept <laughs> a story like this on WWE television, or is that too out there? So okay. this would be Daniel Bryan from the past yeah. showing up today in the present. Like a time traveler. No. No? Okay, not Why? So, so first of all, why? Like, what what advantage? Like, what would be different about Daniel Bryan from 2010? Like, would he be a vegan? He would have less concussions. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't have a. Kid. Would he be any He's any better of a re- competitor? Like, what, what physically? What would be different? I mean, about you're, him? You, I guess you're still assuming that uh, Bryan Danielson will be playing the part of right. Yeah. So. Will he wrestle any differently? No, I don't think so. Uh, I think you could. I think you could get him to kind of go back to like the ROH days as the American Dragon. You, this is a guy that can Nobody change his style, though. right? That can that can go completely like submissions and mat based. I don't think the WWE audience would recognize that. Secondly, like you, you would have to have an inevitable inevitable face off with Daniel Bryan versus Daniel Bryan. No, 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 no. That that's like a paradox. That'll like things will blow up and stuff. How somebody? Do you remember when there was two Undertakers? So wait a second. So so is Daniel Bryan de-aged or is he actually coming back from the past? Coming back from the past. So then that means there's a Daniel Bryan that exists in the present. Yeah, but they can't meet up. Why not? Because it's a paradox. Have you seen Back to the Future? Okay. Yes, I have. They should meet up, but that doesn't mean they won't. This is this is completely see. ridiculous, but it you know it could be entertaining. Okay, John from Chicago really didn't like Alistair Black's trunks. He thought um, it looked like he shit his pants. They were odd, especially <laughs> with that black spot that was on the back. I think there was yeah. supposed to be like a an idea of his, one of his tattoos. It looked but pretty. You couldn't see the details. <laughs> well, you know why? <laughs> anyway, I don't want to. Go. Maybe it got. Maybe it was to compliment his family portrait. <laughs> God. Andrew from Cape Breton says, I have to give a few points for the show considering I was able to watch it on Chromecast for the first time in months. The biggest issue coming out of the show now is Kyrie Stan and how she may have wrestled a good chunk of the match with a concussion. I'm not sure when it would have happened, but she seemed out of it for a while. The main event was sloppy around the end, but I thought the start of it seemed pretty innovative. One major issue tonight, though, was some of the matches felt kind of boring, especially the hardcore matches. Honestly, Aleister Black versus Buddy Murphy was the match that stood out the most of the night. And I thought, and it was a straight up singles match. I think that's a polarizing match because I thought it was very, very well worked. It just, to me, when you have that little enthusiasm, I think that really takes things down dramatically. Um, Prakash here from Michigan says his match of the night was Black versus Murphy. I would love to see these two form a tag team. Speaking of tag teams, I love the opening match of the main card, but I would have loved to have seen the Revival win the title. I want to see the Revival on a long reign. Rest of the card was just there. Gives it five out of ten. Jamie says, odd show that started well before hitting a massive brick wall. While it feels everybody worked hard, the mix of odd storylines and wrestlers who seemed to mesh poorly and the main event that seemed to just fall apart for some reason. I also can't recall a show that ended with four straight babyface losses. That is true. Yeah, they went very heavy on the heels. And even flipping Reigns and Corbin with the women, it didn't seem they were sending people home happy. It tells you this is really sort of like a... Like a mid-tier show that's only meant to connect one show to another and not really... Build up some heels for babyfaces to come back. Not meant to bring any resolution at all. 
Nas from New York City, not the rapper. Glad I tuned in on time for Andrade and Carrillo. Excellent match. Black versus Murphy was so-so, but the crowd was embarrassing. An NXT crowd would have easily taken that match to another level. New Day and Revival was good as well. I really enjoyed everything with Bray Wyatt and Daniel Bryan. The Miz played his part well, too. I'm genuinely intrigued to see what they do next. And I know a lot of the creative. I loved a lot of the creativity in the main event. The rope pull to the finish was quality, but I'm hearing that Kyrie was fighting with a concussion. Okay, I'm a little bothered. I hope she's okay. It does make you wonder if everything went flawlessly according to plan, how that match might have went. Because I agree that there was a lot of creativity I think they put into it. But unfortunately, the execution, for whatever reason, uh, obviously a concussion and who knows what else, just didn't really come to yeah. fruition. Potentially. Yeah. Yeah. P- potentially, yes. Thank you. Luke from Quebec says, I really hope Kyrie is okay. She definitely looked concussed, and I'm shocked they didn't take her out of the match. Seems very irresponsible from the officials when we could all see she was off. That match ended up being extremely sloppy, which is very unfortunate. I really think Bray Wyatt is a once-in-a-lifetime talent and is underappreciated. I love that they're having him wrestle as himself. It keeps the Fiend special and adds depth and versatility to the character and his feuds. New Day and Revival was excellent, as was Murphy Alistair. Everything else was boring. And last one here is Nick from Lansing. I thought it was a pretty enjoyable show with a few low spots. The first two matches are the contenders for match of the night, and I personally enjoyed the Bray Miz match more than I think a lot of people will, highlighted by Brian's return. I was thrilled to see Asuka and Kyrie get a main event match. I thought it was a ton of fun when they tied Becky to a ladder like it was a 20 silent movie. Are they filming an empty arena match with Roman and Corbin as the fans file out tonight? Uh, probably not, but they're certainly building to something. With I, I think we're going to get like a... First of all, like a like 10-man tag or something coming out of this, maybe for TV, uh, building to something like that. And then ultimately, whatever this uh, payoff is to Roman and Corbin at the end, um, do you think they could stretch that to the Rumble? Or do you think both will be just figured into the Rumble itself? A match itself? I think they got to both be in the Rumble. I think they're going to do That's another five weeks yeah. of this. I think and then do- Corbin throws Reigns out, right? I think they're doing a match. I like. I think you're going to get a Roman singles win with some dog food type of thing. He does you know? need to win. Like yeah. he needs a definitive win, um, mm-hmm. and then maybe someone has to eat dog but food. Can't you just take like a steel cage match on like SmackDown and get this <laughs> over with? I was like ready for, for one this of the to wrap up ones. tonight. I thought tonight was like a good time to like wrap this feud up. Right. I'm yeah, kind of I mean, if you I'm go with this. the steel cage and just you know, oh, no one can get in. It's one on one. This is the end of it. It's got to be like, dog related. The thing sure. is, it's like they're really low on heels at the moment, and that's why like Corbin, like he's their utility guy for Roman at the moment. Like you don't even have like Ziggler and Rude are just kind of the Rude's not there. Yeah, Rude's not around. Um, Bray is obviously not going to be near Roman Reigns at the moment. Got to be dogs in the cage, guys. Okay. <laughs> Kennel from hell. Let's campaign for it. One uh, one last piece of feedback about NWA Into the Fire I want to get to from Ben from sure. Vancouver, who says, Solid show overall with the high points being the main event and Skrull surprise entrance. The only bad match was the women's tag, which I thought was very sloppy. Molina just did not belong. Thunder Rosa and Ricky Starks both had great nights and are two pieces NWA should be building up. I love Stevens winning, and he's someone that has been a highlight every week he's been on. The rock and rolls were over, but I was surprised they retained. Not sure where the tech division goes now. I love the TV title back, but it feels like they already have too many titles. Oh yes, they announced the return of the uh, TV belt. Who do you think they would be? Who do you think would be the right person for that belt? Um, and he suggests Ricky Starks. Do you have a choice? Mike? No, I I kind of thought that they would probably end up bringing someone new in to do some sort of mini tournament. Right. Yeah. 
Well, but Starks isn't a bad choice, no. I liked Drake and Anderson, too. Good choice for an opener, but I don't want them to continue. Drake should be pushed to the main event. The main event was good, but basically nothing was resolved, which made it feel like a glorified power main event. Why did Camille even come down? But the length of the show and its pace was good. I'll probably check out the next show. Six and a half out of ten. All right. Well, there we go. That is our TLC post show. Mike, thank you so much for coming over, watching all of TLC, putting up with my bad jokes, and then sticking around to do the post show with us. Thanks for having me, man. It was a lot of fun. Way, we will be back on Monday night with Rewind to Raw. They have announced AJ Styles and Randy Orton for Monday night, so that's the only announcement we have Interesting they put far. that there and not the pay-per-view, but I mean, you would expect maybe a non-finish or, or something. Yeah, and, you know, wanting something to drive people to TV as well, to mm-hmm. spread things around, I guess. Um, yeah. So we'll see what they do with that. And, yeah, NWA Power is back on Tuesday. So it will be interesting to see if they get kind of a uh, a bit of a bump coming off the pay-per-view, if there's, like, a renewed interest of people that, you know, maybe had trailed off during the season that mm-hmm. come back for this episode on Tuesday. But, man, I was worried. I was like... What wrestling are, are we going to watch? And Jeez. thankfully, there's 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 something plenty. every day. Dude, this amazing. weekend was crazy between the UFC and and uh, ROH and oh, how much how much did you watch? How many hours in total? You know, not as much as you would think because I watched Final Battle. I yeah. uh, I didn't watch SmackDown, so I didn't even try that. What really threw me was UFC going eight hours on Saturday night. Yeah, so crazy. that was. I, I mean, I saw the potential with those three title fights. I thought. I thought Amanda Nunez, that could be an early finish, but I was expecting distance fights for the last two. And I mean, they pretty much were. Usman finished him in the fifth round. I would definitely recommend that fight if I saw, either yeah, of you want to uh, check that out. It was a phenomenal fight. But yeah, I, uh, this weekend I saw, I saw UFC, Ring of Honor, TLC, and I had to watch SummerSlam 2015 in there as well. So yeah. um, rewind away, everybody. Will you be joining us for that in SummerSlam 2015? If you want me to, I'm here for it. <laughs> We we should have Mike come on for yeah, for a should. week we uh, should, at we some should. point. Mike, the door is always open. It's always great to have you on. So Thanks a lot. thank you. This was a lot of fun doing it with the uh, the three of us at Scarborough Dad on Twitter. Thanks. Yes, I, I had a blast, guys. That was really it was amazing. So we are going to sign off. Thanks to everyone that uh, tuned in live or is listening to this uh, by whatever means. Possible. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you to everybody in the chat room. Uh, let me give some shout outs. Eric Marcotte's in here. Hansi, Brandon D, Bruhevin Khan. By the way, uh, they, they let us know that. Uh, so Drake Maverick and his wife did a quote unquote wedding segment recently on Raw. But thank the goodness, last yes. real wedding, potentially, actually, I, I, don't, I didn't see anybody else respond, but might have been as far back as Raw 1000 with Daniel Bryan and uh, AJ Lee. And AJ, so. Yeah, like in an actual, like in ceremony, yeah. actual one, because in yeah, the Drake one was very entertaining yeah. with, the, uh, with the mysteriously disappearing 24-7 title. I'm sure it'll come back at some point. Yes, <laughs> we can only hope. All right, that's it, everybody. Thank you. We are tuning out, and we will see you on Monday night.